Welcome to the Bards FM podcast. This is Scott Kesterson, and tonight you're listening to Family Revolution Part 2. This war is real. Fighting is everything. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Tempt not the righteous man to draw his sword. Conviction, righteousness, ruthlessness. To understand tolerance, you have to understand the line of intolerance. War is the teacher, soldiers are the students. They become the bards of war. Good evening, patriots. And it's Friday, Feb- uh, February, September 29th. That is the wrong month, Mr. Kesterson. <laughs> Thank you very much. That's Michelle. Patriots, we're winding down this great series of shows that we've been having together. It'll be tonight, tonight, again. <laughs> <laughs> and then we'll do it Sunday. Tomorrow night. Yeah, we'll do, all right, we'll do a special that's tomorrow night. Why not? It's Saturday. Why not? We will. So you'll have another show special tomorrow night, and we'll have Sunday twice. Okay, cool. If, if you have time, because we're going to do prayer in the morning. We do a huge prayer block. Do you want to come on our world news show after that? Yeah, sure. So there'll be like five shows on Sunday or something <laughs> like that. And then Monday, I'm on the road. So we're taking advantage of the time together here. It's been really awesome this week just to dispel those rumors that somehow Bard's nation is being absorbed into resistance Jig's nation. Literally, he's never leaving. We're just going to keep him here in the in the basement. We already have one dude. Uh, our, our, our best friend, Matt. Yeah, they already have somebody enslaved down here. It's a, yeah. yeah, exactly. He does. He's a slave. He does all of our work for us. So if you stayed, though, we would put you to work. Oh, I know you would. I killed the chicken. You did. It was good. So hang on. Let's get. Let's jump. Are you guys enjoying these shows as much as I'm enjoying these shows? Yes. Okay, because we're. We can go straight from laughing one minute and super serious in another. Absolutely. And, but this thing that I'm about to say next is a combination of two. Go. So you've told this story a few times on the show. Okay. About the pedophile that you slammed your car in, like, and yeah. then you like, you yeah. know, put your knife up to mm-hmm. his throat and was like, you oh, know, yeah. if you ever touch these kids again. Oh yeah. So that's that part is 17 key. Yes. 17. I was power slid my truck in there, yeah. slammed him up against the wall. And took my Bowie knife off the front of my pickup truck yeah. dash. And I told him if he ever shows up again, I'd kill him. Exactly. Mm-hmm. So we had, Leah. for those of you that don't know, Leah and I own a pet care business. And we take care of dogs. We just so happen to be in our craziest time. We don't normally keep six dogs here at a time. Uh, the Chihuahua has made best friends with Scott, which is adorable. Uh, um, <laughs> I can't believe you. it. And unfortunately, there is now photo evidence of that. It is, I know. I, oh I should pull it up for everybody to okay. see. Okay, so... We have one dog that we know is a chicken killer. Uh, and we normally, here's your best friend. Look, here's Bella. This oh, is not the chicken hi, killer. She's Bella. smaller than a this chicken. Hi, chihuahua. Bella. Can you pick up the blanket yes. and then pick up Bella? Okay. Yes, Bella's coming. Oh, come here, Bella. Come here, Bella. Okay, so the, 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 the dog gets the chicken. The video evidence of this dog right now is the most. Oh my gosh! Look at this; it's so adorable. Literally, literally. For the podcasters, you have no idea. Scott just picked up this adorable dog because she wants to come and sit with Uncle Scott. And and Chihuahua's sitting by me. Yes, in a little blankie. It's her blankie that we keep down here. Oh Lord! And now he's petting for the podcast listeners. He is now petting the Chihuahua. Lord says, "You shall love all my creatures." That's right. That's really good. Okay. So anyway, so we the chicken the chicken killer unfortunately and she has a bad back. No, she didn't bite you. She tried. She yelped because I told you already. She has a bad back. Yeah, but I was wasn't petting her back. I know, but she just gets weird about it. Okay. Okay, we're back to the chicken killer. Sure. 
Okay, Prime. You, our our viewers are used to the rabbit trails, and I understand that your viewers and guys. This is just temporary, by the way. No, it isn't. They're they're the, your viewers are used to the nice like still. Small <laughs> this is why we went disruptive podcasting this that week. That just has it's it's a running stream that's beautiful and has a lot of heart and flow to it, and not a lot of interruptions and rabbit trails of stories. Yeah. Oh, but, look at this. Someone just wrote Scott and a Chihuahua. Don't no. get that started. I'm telling you right now. No, it's now. great. It's really, really good. So anyway, so we have a lot. Uh, we've got a lot of things going on here. Yeah. Chicken killer. Dog. We had put all the chickens away. We thought they were away. One chicken gets out. She kills. She she gets the chicken. It's not killed, but it's like, okay, we got to put broken. this thing. Right. So, it, yeah. Well, I don't even know if her neck was broken, but she had a really, in our autopsy. We discovered she had a puncture in her back. Correct. And a lot of bruising. Correct. Don't think she would have wanted to keep living. Nope. Right? No. So Scott helps me kill this chicken. And I asked him, I said, can I have your knife? Do you have a knife? Because we just got to take care of that. Take yep. it. Walk it over to the kill cone. And you hand me this knife that says, we the people. Donica Hudson gave it to you at yeah, Bart's Fest. Yeah. Okay. Awesome. So that's the one you're wearing, which mm -hmm. is super cool. And uh, so we kill this chicken and then you help me butcher the chicken. Yeah, it was great. It was really awesome. Yeah, it was fun. We scalded it. We, we plucked the feathers, you and, know, and you and help. For all those people out there, if you're a man and you have not killed something, you you're not, not a man. You don't have a man card. No man card. Kill something. Get it done. Like an animal, please, preferably to something not, else. We didn't say someone. Yeah. we said something we like said an animal. something. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, and a bug does not count, by the way. It's a you no. Have to, you got to like do mammal. like chicken. You got to do cow. You got to do goat. You got to do deer, sheep, something. Yes. Yeah. Exactly. I mean, seriously. And you and look, man. I'm just saying, if we become so neutered, mm -hmm. if you are not doing that, I I remember I'd been out of hunting for a long time. We'll come back to the chicken. I've been out of hunting. I was in Minnesota. and I've been working and stuff. It'd been a couple of years. Yeah. I remember after we got these grouse, and we were we were doing the full. What is a grouse? It's like a, a little hen. Oh, okay, yeah, okay. And it's a bird, but um, and so we were. There's a way to skin them, which I've forgotten since because I haven't done it for a while. But you you can get one pull and you pull the whole skin and feathers off at once, and the whole carcass just comes in your hand, right? Mm -hmm. And man, it's there's a there is like a primal aroma that comes out of that thing, mm -hmm. and it was like awakening every sense of my primal being coming right. out of there. No, you, you wanted to take up a club and start beating on things. I'm not great. a man, so I don't exactly feel that, but I do know the smell that you're talking about. It mm -hmm. is, there is something there, and I've yep. told this story before, I'll tell it very quickly, um, because uh, our friend Matt does all the, the actual killing here on the property. I only help if I have to. Like if, we, if we're doing a class and someone is killing a chicken, they're doing it improperly. I don't want the chickens to suffer. I will take the knife and I will finish the kill. Yeah. Uh, because I don't want it to suffer. Okay, you're doing it wrong. Let's just get it done. Mm -hmm. um, and so I, I do that. But I don't like to do the killing. So I hit a deer. It's a it's a baby deer. Down. It's nighttime. It's on the bottom of our hill. And I drag it, I don't know, like 20 feet. Ooh. And I get out and it's it's totally alive. But the but two legs are broken it and it's flopping around. And I tried calling Matt and he didn't answer right away. And I'm looking at this poor thing suffering. And I always keep my knife on me. Like yes. I'm always wearing it, and, except for this moment right now. Um, and I pull the knife out and Matt finally does get a hold of me. And uh, or no, I kill it. I, I cut the jugulars because I know exactly how to do it. Because yeah, I've seen do. it a million times. Michelle's slick. I'm telling you, you know what you're doing. And so I cut the jugulars, and it, but I wasn't quite prepared for how long it was going to take for it to bleed out. Yeah. And, and the body goes into convulsions. Yeah. And it was really scary. And at that point, Matt calls me and he, can, he walks me. He's like, no, this is normal. Don't worry yeah. about it. And so I then not, I was so traumatized in a sense. I actually was totally fine. Stone cold, like you do in the moment, like you're good. 
to go. But I was like, we, we joked about it later. Like, why didn't we just bring it home is what I'm getting at. But I killed this deer and on the, my feminine side was kind of like shook up. But like the primal human side of me that says, I love this animal enough to do a thing that I don't really want to do to take care of its suffering. And in her head, she the word the words carnivore. <laughs> <laughs> but it's one of these moments like it's my it's honestly, I think it's my the most proud moment of my entire life. If I if I really have to peg it down to one thing. One time yeah. where I had to kill an animal in the moment with a knife after, you know, it's scary to hit something right away. Anyway, it's like you're already on edge. And then you, I just took care of it. I was able to be calm enough and I had someone on the phone to kind of help me through it. So so what I'm saying is, men, if you have not experienced something like that, it made me more human. I can't explain it. You're it changed right. me it in a way that I was not prepared for. And so when I tell the story, I kind of do tell it out of pride, not arrogant arrogance pride but like wow god you're so good thank you for giving me that gift yeah to be able to do this yeah and look i i was you know it was last a year year ago i was doing all that butchery yeah and we're building a butchery right you, you've got to get in there you got to get your hands dirty and bloody i'm sorry i swear that's the way to reform the skinny jean pulpit by the it way. is actually okay you were going to finish okay so, the so so the, my mom comes down here tonight i was not here for this but <laughs> I'm going to tell this. You okay, just go get ahead. to the, all right. There's the, okay. You can do so the So you have line. to understand Michelle and, and Leah's mom. She is just the nicest, kindest person. Very sweet. Very sweet. Very unsuspecting. She's, she's literally the person you expect to, when you come into the house to hand you a tray of fresh baked cookies. <laughs> so, um, so just a second. You oh, said, they need a link. Yeah, they need a link. Okay, that was my parents' type. My dad needs a link to Rumble, so we're sending him over. Okay, so this very sweet—I'm just gonna call like, like you know, like uh, I don't know, not Aunt Jemima, but more like like somebody working in a Pillsbury bakery that's bringing you down something fresh baked out of the oven. She does that spiritually with words, right? Well, so she walks downstairs into the where the studio is, and she says, "I just I got a word from God." I said, "Oh," she says, "You know that's." This is the best story ever. Just just very matter of fact like this. You know, she said, you showed me when you had that that guy and the pedophile and you had him up against the wall with your knife. I said, yeah. She said, you said you just should have cut his throat. And then she goes on to say, it would have just cost you two years in jail. You were 17. No one would have cared and you would have been a hero in jail anyway because they all would have celebrated the fact you killed him. And then you came out and you would have been here outside. And she says, yeah, that sounds like a good word. And she walks away. And I was like... As a prophetic word, that would probably rank in terms of one of the most unique that I've received. And the most empowering. Empowering. It's awesome. Right. And I literally, and so I was not here for this. No. So then when I get told it, I literally like, I was like, let's go. Right. I mean, I had a bodily experience of excitement. Michelle was like polishing knives. Oh, I know what it was. When, when I asked, when I, or when I said, you actually need to go back in your mind and make it like you did that, right, Leah? And Leah goes, yes. And you said yes. yes. And then that's when I was like, yes. Yes. So excited that to go back and redeem the memory. Because Leah, like Leah talked about, you guys have heard Jaron Jackson on the show. And I'm not throwing Jaron Jackson in this that he would agree with this. I'm not going to put words in his mouth. However, um, when you talk about John Locke and you talk about um, the rights or the, the laws of nature and nature's God, that when someone comes at you to steal your property, they have literally forfeited their life. John Locke said that. Yeah. So if, if, if a pedophile is going to come to steal your property, which is your innocence, 
they have forfeited their life. Now, I, what I'm saying here, I'm not telling everybody to go take the law into their own hands and to go killing pedophiles. We're not, that's not what we're advocating here, just so we're being very, very clear. Right. We do not advocate any form of violence at all. And millstones is just a metaphor, and Punky's blowtorch flamethrower is simply for roasting marshmallows. But perhaps so. it is a good idea and a good mental exercise for us to do in our past, in our minds, what justice needed to be done. Oh, I agree. And I think this is an exercise. By the way, th that is an actual process in the martial arts. Did you know that? Oh, really? Yeah. And you actually work through exercises and you do it in, in military well as well. You work through exercises and how you are going to maneuver around people. Mm -hmm. And it's all a point of visualizing victory. So it's pretty interesting. That's awesome. I'll, I'll do that. So, Patriots, we're going to make a quick call out to a couple of our great sponsors, which we love to death. So we're, yes, who's first? You got it. My Patriot Supply and why? Because we know that there's some crazy stuff going out here. It's happening all over the place. We have the world is starting to collapse. We have them trying to steal our food, turn you into bug eaters. They want you to get into a place where literally, literally you're, you're eating bugs and genetically grown vegetables like lettuce. Bugs and lettuce are your prime target. They have, we have had tons of damage going on in our environment, and you can feel it. You can feel that something big is coming. We don't know what it is, but we know it is happening, and it, you don't know when it's going to happen. And so this is why My Patriot Supply has these three months emergency food kits. 90 days is a bare minimum, and you need to have an absolute foundation in long-term storage food for your emergency supply. So what do you need to do? You go to preparewithbards.com, preparewithbards.com. My Patriot Supply is the largest emergency food supplier in the nation. We have great quality products. They have 2,000 calories a day in these units with, with great flavors and a mix of things, a variety, which is good because you don't want to be eating the same thing over and over for 90 days. So head on over to preparewithbards.com, preparewithbards.com. Look at the three-month emergency food kits. They're fantastic, and you're going to enjoy them very much, and you're every, you need one for every member of your family, and that's just basically common sense security in this day and age. It would be great to say that nothing's going to happen. I think we all know better. So anyway, preparewithbards.com. Check it out. Three-month emergency food kits for every member of your, every member of your family. you got the weekend to check it out. Also, we have to concern ourselves, unfortunately, with the stability of everything going on, which is what? It is the economy. And they're, they're crushing the economy right now. It's in a bad situation. We know that. They are, they are inflating the dollar. They're deflating everything, inflation, and they're devaluing the dollars. What I'm trying to say is all falling apart. And if you've got retirement savings and you're looking at this, you are, your retirement savings are already losing value, and you don't want to be at a risk with having it built around paper money. This is why we have Birch Gold. So if you text BARDS to 989898, Again, B-A-R-D-S to 989898. You will get a free info kit from Birch Gold that gives you an opportunity to search them out, learn about the company, learn about what they have in terms of precious metals IRAs. Now, remember, I'm not an investment advisor. I don't wear a white coat. I don't play a doctor or an investment advisor on TV because I do a podcast that's audio, so you can't see it anyway. But anyway, you want to check this out. You get that bit, and then they will handle. These are great folks. They've been with Bars Nation for over a year. They know what they're doing. They will handle your transition from a from the paperback fiat currency investment at 401k or IRA into a tax-deferred, precious metal-backed investment account like an IRA. So check them out. Again, text BARDS, B-A-R-D-S, B-A-R-D-S, to 989898 and do that today. It's awesome. 
Okay, now Michelle's doing a couple technical things here. Everything going okay? All right, we'll see. We might do a change up here. Here's what I want to kind of lay down tonight because we're doing these. I'm really taking advantage of the time that we have here working out of a common studio to cover topics that normally we don't cover here on Bards Nation. Also, we are looking at a kind of a, we're kind of running that wave that we've come in from last week in Bards Fest, and we've just been continuing that this week. So from my perspective, and I hope from yours, we have had some really enriching shows to talk about a multitude of things and get into some topics that, quite frankly, I don't usually delve into. And I can do that because I have these two beautiful ladies that are not sitting next to me right now, but usually they are, and they make me look a lot better than I am. But when I do that, what we're able to do is dig into areas that we don't normally get to talk about. And I think that's really important. Now, last night we had a pretty good and, a, and pretty bold discussion about a number of things. We were dealing with some of my early trauma and the impact of, of pornography, which how that crept into my life and really wrecked our relationship with my brother and I, which is very unfortunate. And we prayed on that as well. We've been praying on that all day long. And um, I'm just going to say it because if he's listening, he might be here. I think he snooks in anymore. Todd, if you're there, I'm sorry. We've got to get over this. Let's sit down and talk it through. So there you go. Okay. So um, the next thing is where we went into a a whole of Alfred Kinsey. Is that right? Alfred Kinsey. And um, who's the other one? So anyway. Margaret Sanger. And unbelievably, if you don't know those two names, you need to know those two names. Super important because they were the foundation of changing the laws that have allowed pedophilia and this rampant attack on children to happen. And they, that all occurred in the 60s. And that pivoted us into another topic, which is extremely important. And it got a number of reactions out of it. And what that topic is, is this. We've really, and I've, I'm openly, I'm, I'm, you're hearing this from me and not the girls. And I want to be very clear about this. This is a common discussion that we're having right now that we share in our hearts. It's not like we came together. This is, I say this because this stuff drives me nuts only because I already know of some, a statement that was made today. No, the resistance checks aren't like doing some magic over me and suddenly swinging me on some ideas. This is about a common heart of coming to things, of resetting the morality in our nation. And when we start to look back at the way our nation was running in the 1800s and even up to 1920, it was a radically different approach to the responsibility and accountability of sex. Very important. And we've lost this. And so one of the things we talked about last night was the essence of, of the, essentially the root of what the man's role is. And I'm talking about this now. We're going to talk about a lot of this tonight in an, and some other things, obviously. But the root of the man's piece, and this is just a quick recap from last night, is the fact that men are here to literally protect and expand the kingdom. That means by virtue of getting your wife pregnant. And no, we're not getting in your bedroom, but I want to be clear about what we're talking about. Oh, we're getting in your bedroom. <laughs> Thank you, Michelle. So the, the, the thing that we're getting at here, and we got into the issue of vasectomies and what that actually represents, because what that turns it ends is it ends up neutering the men. Now, here's the thing. And I, man, I'll tell you, this is, a, this is a brutal one. But Leah was saying today in our discussion, she said, you do realize that what we're talking about here with vasectomies is we're talking about genital mutilation. Exactly correct. Because it's all part of the eugenics program that Stanger started and pushed to the country. And what that has done is it's pivoted the man's role from being 
the father and the provider and the, 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 the seed of growing a nation into one where sex becomes simply fun, a function of pleasure. That comes out of the 60s and the sex revolution, okay? All of this is important to grasp because if we're going to regain the power of the men in this nation, we have to go back to the power of what it is to be a father and the role of being a father, which obviously my parents didn't have a trouble with, but in this generation, we do. And we don't have good role models at this point in time as a broad spectrum. It's not, I'm not going to get down to the granularity. And that's just the way we have to look at it. So, I mean, we don't have as many role models as we should. Okay, that's where we are. So that's kind of a quick recap from last night. And the capstone of that last night was this. That and I was and probably way too much information for somebody for some people, but this is just the world world we're working in now. That if we're going to do this, we have to start seeing positive and legitimate action that's transparent to lead and forge away. So as I explained last night, I made the choice not because of anything other. It was a, it was a personal and selfish choice to have a vasectomy, and we left this last night with the point that I am going to do a reversal. And it has nothing to do with family. It has everything to do with the spiritual sense of what the man is and to set the, the conditions to step forward into this and say, I shall step forward and do this. And that was literally as God led in prayers. Do this to lead others. And that's what I'm doing. So tonight, we're going to continue this family revolution. And understand all of this at the heart of this is the idea of us shifting the morals and the virtue and the accountability back on us as people to re-stimulate the family which is going to be so important to raise it up so that once again, we see a strong family. My parents come from a root of this. And if you have any questions about that, all you have to look at is the fact that they were married for over 60 years through thick and thin. They have two great boys and that's a, a demonstration of a, a marriage that was built not on the foundation of the flesh, but on a foundation of a spiritual connection between the two of them, which I have been honored to witness in my life. And I know I mentioned this last night, but I'm going to mention it again because I just, I find it so amazing. And yes, folks, you know, I love my parents. I think they're great. They're listening I love to your them. parents. You do too. And, and they're, I'm so happy too. This is great. Michelle and Leah have just been great in everybody's lives. And as we <laughs> kind of come to Get, getting to know them. So here, here's, here's the thing is that I, I told this story last night and it's such an awesome demonstration of a marriage built on a spiritual foundation, not a marriage built on flesh. Right. Okay. And it's this, first of all, I just got to say this about my mom. She is to this very day, she is still that you couldn't even tell her age, by the way, I won't reveal it. She may let me. She, 35. She, she looks 35. She really does, yeah. It's amazing. And I've got my dad who is not feeling really well tonight. So if you we'll all would please raise, him. we'll pray for my dad tonight. But these are two people that every morning, I don't care what morning, they have breakfast and they eat together. Yeah. And my mom has, they have coffee. And they always have things to talk about. You also see the beauty of the mother, which I'm, I, I just, I, we, we'll talk about that later, but in the beauty of the mother that loves to serve her husband. Mm -hmm. My mom works hard and enjoys every morning preparing my dad's breakfast. And it's just this beautiful balance of watching what the sense of the family should be. So as I say this tonight, thanks mom and dad, I love you. And I truly mean this for all that you have given to me, because it's really a beautiful example. And it's just, uh, it's something that Patriots, I, my life in that space is a complete and total train wreck. I'm not even going to kid you. 
but it doesn't mean they haven't given me the heart for it, which is so important, right? No, it's absolutely key. And here's the thing. When it comes to what you're talking about is this, and we, we, we hit on this yesterday, the intimacy of being with someone that God has united you with and they are giving to you and you're giving to them. So when they sit down and they have that coffee in the morning and your mom loves to make breakfast for your dad, that is a level of intimacy that quite frankly, sex does not compare with. Well said right there. That's beautiful. I I like it. Now tonight we're going to dig into some new things Yeah, and we're going to talk. I'm going to let you, you know what we're going to talk about. Right. And Michelle and Leah are going to give some testimonies on their life, their walk and their walk in, in Christ. Yeah. And, but it's far beyond even that. Wouldn't you agree? Yes. Okay. And then we're going to talk about some other things at the end again about the male. And we're going to, we really want to get into the whole principle of morals and virtue. Right. Tonight, which I think is important and to understand the accountability to God. Mm-hmm. It's, it's important. We can't, we have to be in an open heart to God. And that also means fundamentally it's this. And again, to have tip on my parents, there are no secrets. Mm. And so I need this said because we cannot have a relationship with our father if we're harboring secrets into the world. Part of, and it says in the Bible, the true healing begins when we give public testimony. And it's not public, but it's the same thing. Sure. But it's it's when we give testimony among our fellowship. It says before, to confess your sins before others. Before others. Yeah. So when we do that, true healing begins. Right. So this is part of the process here that we're running by demonstration. I don't, I'm sharing with you things that may seem very personal, but I think they're big issues in life, in particular men and in my life. Mm-hmm. And that's part of me bringing my testimony to others right. in the world and to put that out there and to hopefully, and I hope that this will inspire others to have the courage and confidence to step out because most not everybody gets to spread that to about half a million people in 120 <laughs> countries. So if you're down there in South Africa and you get in these dirty and started details and you're like, thanks God, I didn't need to know that. Well, guess what? <laughs> Welcome to Bars Nation. That's what right. I'm going to say. So, okay, go ahead. Michelle. No, that's really good. So we were talking about tonight's show and guys, you, just to for you, to give you guys some inside baseball of what's going on here before I get to my testimony. Besides that, a really cool B&B I'm hanging out at. That B&B is so nice. And the people we're having. Okay, 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 okay. Listen to me here, guys. <laughs> Leah wanted me to bring this up. We are having a neighborhood revival. Like I kid you not. We I ordered signs today. They're going to be at the place where you're staying, the Airbnb. Oh, really? So if you guys want to join us October 7th, right here in Milford, Ohio, you can come to this revival. All right. If you live like within driving distance, you know, like a couple of hours, you are welcome to come. We're going to be bringing the power of God. Um, and I think that the address I should, I think Leah texted it to me earlier. I think it's, well, just stay tuned. I think it's 5463 Wolf Penn Pleasant Hill Road. We were given permission to give the address, Milford, Ohio, 45150. Um, and I want you guys to come and join us because we are going to be doing deliverance um, we're going to be praying for people. We're going to be, you know, laying hands on people, getting people filled with the Holy ghost. This is what we should be doing in all of our neighborhoods, by the way. Absolutely. So guys, I know a lot of you are kind of like, Oh, and I don't mind saying this. It's, it's okay. I, Leah and I take zero offense. I kind of just miss the, the deep Scott voice. That's just super awesome. Yeah, you're getting like, okay. This is a God for some reason has had you come here for a few days. Oh, it's been great to do a continuation of Bards Fest. And Leah got a word about this, by the way. For those that were not able to attend, we're doing this now. Oh, that's great. And so throughout the day, we've been on the phone, we've been doing deliverance, we've been doing intercession, we have been doing healing, we have been just, I mean, and we're running into people. I, my neighbor stopped by earlier and I was able to testify of. 
See, this is, this is what Bards happened. Fest. Well, God gave me that word this morning as I stepped in the shower. Bards Nation ministry has now begun. Yeah. Deliverance and healing. Yeah. So we literally, and we're not exaggerating, we're saying this, we're, we're spending parts of our day on the phone, working mm-hmm. with people, do, doing deliverance and bringing Separately, them. Separately. Like set. I'll be on the phone. You'll yeah. be on the phone. Leah's on the phone. Sometimes we come together. Yeah. Like it's, it's, and, and Leah said this and, and, and she'll probably reiterate it, but Scott is running at a pace that Leah and I are we are keeping up with and I'm, and I'm actually, it's all glory to God, but your pace is so fast. It's not an easy pace to keep up with. And, and we're like, okay, we're here for it, but we're only guys, listen to me. I'm only here for this until he leaves because when he leaves, I'm crashing. So calm down. You will have your regular Scott back. Um, but I don't think that I'm going to crash. Honestly, I think that God's going to continue this. I don't think it's stopping because of what's what's coming. Okay, quite frankly, all glory to God. Um, they were just on the run for Jesus. But throughout the day, that. it's all God stuff. Yeah, it is. Like all I, day long. Because I, I, I want to hit on this because this is one of the coolest things that could have happened possibly is coming out of Bards Fest. And I and I, <laughs> I know. It I is, mean, right. like to be here and to keep that flow going. Right. You just got to keep that wave going. And we are. And what's really awesome is not only is it going, our methods that we're revolving and getting better at Bards Fest are only getting better now. Yeah. That's our message, our clarity with what Father's looking for, the whole energy behind deliverance, what we're doing. I'm telling you, it is awesome. So we're really on a rock and roll. Plus, I'm. what time is it? 942, good, Eastern time. That's We ran, why. but we ran late. Yeah, but no, I'm looking at what I'm doing here. It's demonstration to make sure the energy continues because I'm drinking Bard's coffee tonight. What does that even mean? It means that I have a caffeine boost to what my normal energy level is into the evening. Okay, so we're good for a while? It means that I won't probably won't be dozing on the couch at 3 a.m. Okay, good. Yeah. Me neither, because you know why I won't be dozing? Because I got a, I got like, I think I got a solid four and a half, five yeah, hours of sleep last night. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's good. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> Maybe. Okay, so, so, so I just want to kind of bring you guys into this and, and note something because we are multi streaming right now on Resistance Chicks platform, which we had some audio issues. We were trying to stream it through out. this. Where it is was, it? Oh, Resistance Chicks Rumble. So Rumble for rumble.com forward slash Resistance Chicks. We're also streaming on Facebook right now as well. Um, we, this is a melding of two ministries for this leg of a race. Yes. And I think that that's really important. And we're bringing in glad tidings on this. I'm sorry. This is the best comment of the night. What did it say? When I said about the coffee, it means it's going to be another really long show. Neely knows Scott well. <laughs> And the resistance chicks, because we could go all night. Like they know our viewers know our show. It goes really long. Um, But this is really important for you guys to know what is what is actually happening right here, because it kind of seems kind of confusing. And, you know, the analogy that I got when we were in prayer earlier of the horses. Mm -hmm. Right. Okay, so you've got you got like two horses and then two horses and then two horses. And what I have seen um, is a multi-layer facet faceted thing, whether it's, um, Pete Chambers or Corey Terry or resistance chicks healing ministry with Jason and Cassie and John and Stacy and Sam and Corey and Corey gray, or, um, you oh, know, what, resistance what? chicks. And, sorry. Sorry. What did you know that today is national coffee day? <laughs> I just realized that. So this whole show just got shifted. <laughs> no, it didn't. It yes, just, it did. I just said, we're going to talk about coffee for no, the rest of the show. We're, yes, we are. Maybe How later. do you even know that's true? <laughs> because I saw because it. someone said so. That doesn't yeah. mean it's true. Yeah, do you I believe everything that you hear? Scott I got it sent this morning confirmed. Oh, for crying out loud. <laughs> I cannot even with you. <laughs> <laughs> national coffee day. <laughs> 
All right. Now, if you thought the show was long before, buckle up. I'm telling you, we're going all night. We're going time. past the 12 o'clock. We'll go, uh, we're just going to go straight to the one o'clock uh, final there. So, so, so seriously, though, guys, this is really important. What is going on? I don't know what the heck is going on, but I know this, that for this leg of the race, we've got a whole bunch of teams of horses that have come together to pull something really, really heavy yeah, off. It's true. And look, you know, I think what I mean, I think this is a way of looking at it that's really important. I don't know how many of you have done sports or high level sports. I know you and Leah have. Yeah. I, I have competed a number. Oh, and it's Sukkot, right? I think tomorrow's the first day of the Feast of Tabernacles. Okay, that's huge. So um here's here if I want you to imagine this. I want you to imagine like working hard at your team and you've got general practice time. Yeah. Right. And then you get a week to sequester with the best on the team. Yeah. And now you've got a week to polish, refine, and hyper-focus all really your good. methods really good. so that when you get back out on the team. And let me give you a true story about this real quick. When I was rowing crew at Oregon State University, we had an incredible coach, national champion for, for really yeah, oh yeah, awesome. national champion scholar. And we typically, we raced eight-man boats. So what he did with us is he split us up into four-man boats. Now, to understand that, an eight-man boat, you can cover a lot of your, your technical issues, and the boat will still go okay. When you go to four-man, every mistake you make gets amplified by about 10. Wow. So he stuck us in four-man boats for like three weeks. So we had to completely learn to row better. When we got into the eight, it was like you put, put rocket fuel on us. Come on. So that's essentially what's happened here. I kind of feel like we're in the eight-man boat in this rocket fuel. Well, we're in a four-man now. Oh, we're in well, the four-man? three. I just feel like we're going really fast. And we are. It's you were, and when, <laughs> when, so here, here's here's the thing that um, when you, you look at how God did this, and I've told this story already, but we're, this is kind of a cool night to recap it. When I left Flemingsburg, and I was literally praying, and I got a word from our prayer team, which was awesome. It said, leave under the cover of darkness. And I thought, ooh, like someone's coming for me. <laughs> so you're like, all right, come on, demon, let's go. I'll go for you, right? Okay, so we got that going. So... <laughs> But it was something else, and I didn't expect it. It was so awesome. I get ready, and it's it's now sundown. It's dark. I hit the Jeep lights. I go driving down the road. And just as I get down the road, as I'm starting, even from when I start, I can't get the GPS to work. Right. And I'm like, all right. So I get to the end of the road, and I'm, this is literally a conversation. I'm like, I open up my atlas. I can't even find the thing on my atlas. Right. So I just said, all right, Lord, I'm just going to drive by faith. Because, I, it's yes, I'm pretty good at navigation, but on these country roads with all the turns going in there, at night, it's not as easy to remember. So I just started driving, and I looked down. I said, I've got three-quarters of a tank of gas. No problem. I can go a long ways, whatever. You were driving by the GPS that God spoke to me. God protects Scott. Oh, good. Right? Nice. Yeah. So I, I finally get to the main <laughs> road, and and I just, I'm just i praying, and God just says, go to Louisville. I'm yeah. like, okay, sounds good. It's Louisville. Louisville. No, Lowell. 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 Lovell. 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 What? Yeah, I kid you not. It's That's how they say it. They'll oh. get mad at you if you don't say it that way. Lovell. Lovell. I, I can now move to Kentucky. Lovell. <laughs> All right, Lovell. So uh, getting over to the Lovell. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, I get that. Good I, job. I get that it right. That was excellent. I got right. <laughs> you did. All right. I got it right, right sure there in Lovell. Okay, so we get over to, I get over to Lovell, and I'm talking to my parents all the way in, which was a great call because I hadn't talked to them for about a week. And I, I hung up with them. I was about two miles out, and I get this nudge, and God just says, just pull in over here because I was going to get some meat for the the uh, for the residence in I was in because, so, you know, I do eat carnivore. So anyway, um, as I pull in and park, I just get this nudge, just call Michelle. So I call Michelle, and I say, hey, look, I'm the not The dumbest question ever, by the way. Yeah. What do you think if I came up and visited? And she's like, um, 
Why is that a question? Why is that a question? Exactly. <laughs> so that, that's how this whole thing started. And my point is it just kind of directed in prayer. And I just love the fact of And how you were going to get a hotel, by the way. Yeah. And I was like, hang on, wait, we have an Airbnb that's like literally like three doors down. Right. So that was right. And it was perfect. So anyway, that's how this whole thing. So all I say, this is just a progression of how God's moving. Yeah. And it's just bringing people together to refine skills, to get things going. And I'm going to tell you the testimonies that we've had this week coming out of Bards Fest. There's been some interesting things that, to look at, which I think are really, really important. There have been whole families now that have been, they have literally been blessed with the fire of the Holy Spirit. They have been baptized and literally now their whole lives are changing. And yeah. I mean, like in entire families, we have people writing in saying, you know, I came back home and nothing I did before feels important. These are good things. I'm just yeah. going to tell you because what God's doing is God is moving everybody right now into a place to be more receptive to kingdom. So if you're in that place, which I assume many are, just breathe and relax That's good. and just enjoy. Now, we got a prayer today, and we're going to focus on it later, but I want to talk about this because it's really important, and it's it's a piece that I'm seeing. I've tried to explain this to people, and, and, I, I, and I understand the feeling because what's happened at a bar's fest was super energized, and there are some, and some people online have felt that, but there are others that are really feeling empty because they weren't part of that fellowship. So I want to read a, a comment just even in the chat right now okay. here on our Rumble channel. Kate says, there was such a financial breakthrough at Bards Fest, and I wasn't even there. But when thanking God for this breakthrough miracle, he asked me to help others, still unpacking the rest, praise him. And Kate also wants to be able to forward their email address to the Cantrell family because she would like to help feed their children. So Catherine, send me an email at massfaith, M-A-S-F-A-I-T-H 33 at gmail.com, and I will get you connected with the Kentrell family, who are expecting number 11. Oh, yeah, that's right. No. We literally have a Bard's, a Bard's baby. Yeah, we right? do. I don't know if this baby was conceived at Bard's Fest. I'm not going to ask. Uh, that That is the bedroom I'm not getting into. Um, <laughs> however, we prophesied over them. They have 10 kids. Yeah, we did. No, Sunday night. No, not we. You and Leah. It was we. It was a group effort. Right. But I mean, you're, you're right. We did. I, we were I, all I, prophesying. You're right. You're right. Okay. So we prophesied over them that there would be, I kept, what's interesting is I kept hearing the number 11 and then the Lord said, no, 12. And so I think what I was hearing of number 11 is this one. And right. then there's going to be another. Right. And so I, I told them, I said, there's going, I, God's telling me you're going to have 12 kids. And they were just like deer in headlights because they were, you know, the, the, their two youngest boys, Gideon and Levi have been a little bit of a strain on their patience, uh, mm. minorly. I mean, they're adorable little boys. I love them. I would take them home. Listen, if those are the ones that you have trouble with, that's fine. I will make room. Okay. You can give me your children. I like, I kid you not. They are the cutest. So if that's what it takes to get these 11 and 12 in make room, I'll take the, I'll take Gideon and Levi. But anyway, I, 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 they were kind of like, I kind of wondering, is this where we stop it up? And I think that the answer is no. I mean, I'm not putting words in their mouth. I don't know that they've had those questions, but just kind of like, Oh, this is so it's, it, it gets to the point where it, it can be exhausting. And I think what we did is we prayed a rejuvenation over them and they had to come to Bards Fest and the kids had to come to Bards Fest. They prayed about it. God spoke to them. They made their own decision to come. They were on the prayer healing team. I kid you not. They were literally on our prayer healing team. All of the kids down to like Silas. Well, I know age, I saw it. Right. And so to, to bless, I kind of feel like this happened for two reasons for them to bless us with the blessing of having a, a baby come out of Bards Fest and then for them to be a picture of this is what happens when fruit comes out of something. That's really good. 
Really good. By the way, um, Corey Terry's in chat today. Hi, Corey Terry. And the family's reunited. You're kidding. And Mom was home. Oh, I love it. I'm so excited about and that. And blessed. And so, Patriots, just raise some prayers there for Corey and his family. They've been, they're just so awesome. It's such a beautiful family. And uh, Corey's such an honor brother. And we had, the, we had the privilege, and I say that, and I mean that truly, of praying on the phone with Corey's father-in-law and his wife, Yopar, yep. in Romania via a Facebook video chat where Lee and I weren't. So we had four people on this video call for two weeks. They couldn't get the video chat to work in the hospital. Just so happens on the day that we need to call in to do this prayer. It works. That's because it was blessed. And we ended up walking Yopar's father through like words of, of prophecy, words of wisdom, a confession of Christ, all through the interpretation. And, and if you've never ministered to anybody through an interpreter, it, it your flesh goes into a challenge. <laughs> like, I Corey, kid you not. Corey and I are smiling right now because <laughs> we really understand the challenges of working with an interpreter in the early stages, especially making sure they're going to sync with you and they don't say something stupid right. with a guy across from you that suddenly picks up an axe and wants exactly. to run at you. That's right, 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 right. Exactly. But but the question is, and it actually, this is the same thing in, in essence, yeah. to try to get the spirit across and right. not just the words. <laughs> Kudos to Yopar who clearly did a phenomenal job because her dad's responses were so weighted and they were so sincere that she was clearly conveying this, the Holy spirit to her dad. And so honestly, um, I, I said that the, the killing of the deer was one of my favorite memories. This, that conversation with Corey Terry and his father-in-law and Yopar and his son, Matea, who we prophesied over, they prayed, uh, Corey Terry got filled with the Holy ghost. Like the whole, that whole experience right there, it, it surpasses the killing of the deer. I think. It, does. it was that phenomenal. Yeah, I can see why. It would have to. Yeah, I, in the moment, I'm in my bedroom and I'm just pacing. I'm praying in the spirit, and my and I'm praying in the spirit out through the spirit, and my mind is going, I cannot believe this that is, is happening so awesome. right now. That is so awesome. <laughs> it was the coolest. Yeah, it's just so cool. So, Michelle, there's some things that we want to cover tonight. Yeah, let's all right. Go. So, I I think it's important that we cover these things because when you tell this story, I think tonight is going to have a whole different tenor to it. And I'm going to tell you why. Because you've just let go of some big stuff this last week. Right. And I think that this is really going to be you. Yeah. So I'm just, yeah, just let it, I'm right here. Okay. So tell it and tell it with love. Okay. So, you know, this, this is really interesting because a lot of times when we come on your show, we tell stuff that we already tell on our show. And now I'm about to tell you something that I don't tell on our show very often. So you're going to hear a testimony from me that's not something that I share often, if ever. Um, only when necessary to specific people. But I think it's important given the topic that we've had the past few nights and for maybe Bard's Nation to really feel the heart of who Leah and I are and what our motives are. And I can tell you this, 100% my entire life has been dedicated to the expansion of the kingdom of God. Mm -hmm. Now I've had the devil try to attack me and stop me from that destiny because I do believe that I am called by God to do this. Um, and throw things in my pathway to trip me up. But the goal, it's kind of like literally you're running a race and someone throws something in front of you and you trip and you're covered in dirt and you're covered in mud and you're covered in blood and sweat and tears and you crawl and you get back up and you race again and then they do it again and you fall again, right? But the goal is always the same and you're always running the same race and the destination is always the same destination. And that's what happened to me. 
So I set out as, as a very young child. My mom raised me up in, in the things of the Lord and in purity. And at the age of 16, um, there was for Leah, Leah was 16 at the time. I guess I was about 13 or 14. There was a movement in our youth group. And I don't know if anybody remembers these, they were true love weight cards and you would sign the card that you will save yourself for marriage. And that's your dedication. And a lot of parents were buying their children, these promise rings. I still have mine. I'm still wearing it. And I'm 39. This is a promise that says that I will save myself for marriage until my wedding. And I wear it on my ring finger. And I've had over the years, you'd be amazed at how many people who are like, you want to get married so bad. Why are you wearing that ring? You're never going to pick somebody up that way. And I'm going, I'm not trying to pick anybody up. I'm waiting for my one true match to find me at the well. Beautiful. Okay. So it doesn't matter if I'm wearing this ring or not. This is actually a kind of a protection in essence to keep people from bothering me. Yeah. That's not why I wear it, but it does work that way. Um, but, but I have, in, in my flesh, I've taken people's advice and I've, I've put it around my, my neck for like a year once the same effect that people don't try to pick us up. No one does that. Why? Because we it's, we're untouchable because of the power of God. However, there were bumps along the way in my testimony, um, not in Leah's testimony that she's going to tell later, but in mine, mine there were, but, but certainly as, as a small child, so Leah at 16, she gets her true love weights. My mom buys her this, this ring. I think it says love and love is patience patient around it. And I see that. And that is my, my goal. My sister is pure. I'm going to be pure. This is what I want. I want to save my very first kiss for marriage. I want to, you know, just keep my virginity intact until marriage. And I think that's going to be the most beautiful, wonderful thing. And I, this is my goal. And until that day, I am going to be expanding the kingdom of God. This is my life's mission. Okay. It's fantastic. And so Lee and I have a saying that we, that we kind of joke about in the reawaken tour or different places that we go when we're interacting. Um, wives, your husbands are never safer with another woman than when Leah within than with Leah and I, and let me tell you why, because we are solely interested in the restoration of families. The idea of flirting with or taking another man's husband is wholly repulsive to me because I am that's like saying I would like a different mom. I don't want another mom. I have a mom. I love my mom. That's like saying I want a different Leah. No, if I could never see Leah again, no one can replace Leah. Okay. And so I know that I was lit. And, and our friend Matt has this saying, same canvas, same paint, same brush, same artist. When you find the person that God has created you for, you are a, a piece of art that he has painted together with the same on the same canvas, with the same brush, with the same paint by the same art, artist. And I have never found that person. Okay. To this day. Uh, and, and so this is, this is really important. However, there were times where I thought that I had, there were times where I tripped up and I want, I want to tell you one story. And I, I did, I did in a, in a moment of passion at Bard's Fest kind of blurt this out, but I want to, I want to unpack it in a little bit more detail. So we move out to Oklahoma for my sister to go to Rhema Bible training center. Um, I think I'm 15 when we moved and, uh, again, my goals are the same. I want to save myself for marriage, but, but somehow I was groomed through online chat rooms, which again speaks to why I'm so passionate about parents keeping their children away from this kind of technology mm -hmm. um, because it is so dangerous. And um, Leah, we've got these earbuds for you if you want. Um, so I, I meet three different men online. One was 35 and lived in New York and one was 26 and lived in town and another was 18 and I was 16 at the time. And, uh, so I'm talking with these people online 
and just innocent, but not. It, it was not innocent. Clearly, they had motives. And uh, one of the 26-year-old, which you have to remember, at the time when you're 16, 26 is a is like your age. Like mm-hmm. I kid you not, it really is. It right. feels that way. Yep. And so I and so I meet this person in in person, which was is so idiotic to me. I walk up the street trying to hide this from my mom. I lied. I remember lying to her about walking up the street to meet this person. Nothing happened but a hug. However, I felt guilty because I uh, here I am now keeping a secret from the people that I have been completely open with my entire life, right? And so uh, there's there's the guilt that sets in. Mm-hmm. Then. Um, Meanwhile, I'm I'm talking to two different people. So there's a whole host of things that's going on here. Well, th- three, I guess I should say. The one in New York was just I'm just talking to, and then this 18 year old. Again, I give it's so idiotic. And I was a let's keep this in mind. I was a super strong Christian at the time. I mean, I was reading my Bible. I loved Jesus, but I have I come from like we never had a dad that loved us. So I, I then have this kind of like split dual part of myself. I've got this broken part that comes out that can't control myself. And then I've got the strong me that's not strong enough to overpower that because this hasn't been healed. So I meet the 18 year old and, um, and I remember he kisses me for the first time and I'm not going to get into gruesome details, but I remember in that, in that moment that it, everything felt so wrong and like sick. Like I was literally sick inside there. and, And so going back to that memory, has really helped, and this is happening right now live on the show, quite frankly, is helping me to realize I, and this is what my mom said to me afterwards, you didn't want this. Right. So when you're raped, you have the same feeling. When you're molested, you have the same feeling. And in that moment, that's the feeling that I had, but I couldn't stop, which is very strange. Yes. Does that make sense? It makes perfect sense. So uh, this happened a couple of times. This person comes over while Leah's out. She Leah used to run. I mean, she still runs, but she used to run. And, and my mom was at prayer and healing school of all places in, in Tulsa. And, I, and I'm meeting up with this stranger, complete stranger, inviting him into my home. Right. Like so wild. Uh, the, the cognitive dissidence, because even then I knew better. Let's see. This is I'm going to jump here real quick, because this is one of the strange things we're into. Yeah. You are deeply convicted to Christ. Yeah. And this is, a, you run into a conflict of conviction with the, the enticements of, and I, and I don't even know if it's the right way of phrasing it, but there's an allure and it, uh, that this happens because you start having a dialogue with somebody online yeah, and they start drawing you in right, and you're being pulled in and there's, there, you're being sucked into almost like a vortex. It was a vortex. Yeah. And, and you start to lose, you disconnect from that root mm-hmm. of conviction. So keep right. going. No, it was. And, and so meanwhile, this is all going on and I'm talking to this 26 year old with inappropriate phone calls is the best we'll say it. Yeah. And, um, and so I've got all this, this, this chaos that's going on. My life has been turned upside down because I went, I had a really rooted life here. I thought I was a gymnastics coach. I had, a, I was doing gymnastics. I loved my life. I was very involved in our youth group, uprooted, moved to Tulsa. And I have, and I've lost all of my friends and I found that companionship online. And then, then here comes this deep seated, uh, emptiness of a lack of a father that arises and Hey, let's fill now. You don't have any friends with this. Yeah. Okay. And so I was literally groomed. I remember I couldn't eat. And I, and, and my mom said to me later, she said, Michelle, you were seduced. These are the, um, these are the telltale signs of being seduced. Like I lost all this weight. I wasn't eating, you know, just telltale, telltale signs. So one day my sister comes home from running and I, and again, so out of my mind that I had lost the, and I think this was, I know it was the Holy ghost, by the way, that I lost the, we like track of time 
I don't know how to explain it. Like I knew that Leah was, I, it's, it's almost like I knew Leah was going to walk in that door because I didn't stop it before the time I knew that she was going to come home. Hmm. Okay. And I'm, I'm reliving all this right now. And so you're welcome. Um, <laughs> <laughs> not an enjoyable story for me, by the way. Um, and so Leah walks in the door and complete shock. No idea that this is where I'm at because she's seeing me leading people to Christ, street witnessing, like all this stuff, right? This is, this is a complete polar opposite of what she's like, what is going on? Like it takes a minute to process. She goes into full mama bear mode. I'm going to like, she thought to herself, where's the knife? Like, I'm going to go to the kitchen. I'm going to get what you should have done to the pedophile. Like we started out, like she was going to do that to this guy. Mm -hmm. Right. And, um, and so I am bigger than Leah. And even at 16 years old, I was bigger than Leah. It's interesting. We wear the same size, but I'm bigger than she is. Um, so I'm bigger than Leah and I actually protect the perpetrator from Leah's wrath. So that that's a that's like a almost instantaneous Stockholm syndrome issue. Right. Right. right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And and thank you for put, putting it that way because for the for the longest time it 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 you feel like you're part of it instead of I'm a victim. You and you were. I mean, first of all, you've got the agent's discretion that's going on, mm-hmm. which is huge. And then the other part and and so I really want to highlight this because this is a part I don't think you emphasize enough. You are a deeply convicted person to right. your path. Yes. Okay. So this hits, I mean, for, in this day and age, there's so many people that brush this off. It's like, hey, no big deal. You know, like you're making out with some dude, whatever. Right. No, because that wasn't your path. Exactly. And you made a conviction to right. not do this. And I, I'm, I'm, I admire you for this because what you, you create, you made a decision that is rare in society. You stand out. You are going to be on the outside. Right. You have people going to tell you that that's dumb. It doesn't matter. Yes, it does matter. Right. And you're setting an example. But at the same time, now you have fallen to the victimization or the victim being victim of a society that is built around this sort of thing. Sure. And you've been the normalization of it. Correct. Go ahead. Quite frankly. Yeah. Um, Because it used to be, you know why they say you may now kiss the bride? Do you know they've dropped the now? Oh, really? Oh, you may kiss the bride. Oh. Because because there's no now left because everybody's been sleeping together before they even get married. Forget the kisses. Right. Oh my gosh. Okay. You may now kiss the bride. This is the historic. I mean, this sounds wild. Oh no, Michelle, they always slept together before. No, they actually didn't. Oh, they were always kissing before. They... No, actually a lot of people saved their first kisses for marriage. They did. It was, this is a, this is a thing. Okay. It's a God thing, by the way. So in that moment, the internet gets pulled and I don't mean pulled from me. I mean, from our entire house, our telephone, because I had, I did a full confession. So my mom knew about the telephone. So she gets rid of the telephone. She's not leaving any room whatsoever for this to happen again to me this and I I will be straight up honest and I want to speak to some of you parents out there you have found pornography on your children's cell phone and all you've done is add an app they're still looking at it I promise you I don't care what they say I don't care what the app says if your child has ever looked at pornography and you are continuing to um, put their the convenience of having a cell phone above their mental safety that will affect them. Like Scott has, you have confessed here on this show mm-hmm. where pornography led you and it leads to a path of absolute death. Yep. So you're saying, what you're saying is you don't think that pornography is that big of a deal. And we're here to testify that it is, that it will lead to death. So your child having a cell phone in their teenage years versus maybe they molest their little sister or maybe they grow up and become completely addicted to this and they can't ever get set free. Like, where do you draw the line? So what I said that night at um, Bards Fest where the question was asked about, you know, being maybe over, too overprotective, 
overprotective as a parent, even if your kids are in their in their young 20s. Right. I will I will tell you something. So not only did my mom put us on to put me on full lockdown that went on for years. And so I always went somewhere with a chaperone with Leah, like every and, and it was very frustrating. But I was actually I even when I turned 18, I willfully submitted myself to that. So this is what I would say. If your child is willing to submit themselves to that, which means if they still live under your roof and you're paying for everything, then they're, they have to submit to your rules. Okay. Then, then you do the thing, whatever it takes. And uh, the comment was made that if you, you maybe become too overprotective, you will push your child away. I would ask you this question. Weigh that, the pros and cons, because both options have the risk of pushing your child away because if they continue down this path of self-destruction or destruction from the outside I should say because this is an attack when it's for, for a child of just destruction of themselves by demonic forces you will push them away and they may end up in a ditch they may end up killing someone they may be and they may end up like I said just addicted to porn for the rest of their lives and then that is essentially pushing them away or you're overprotective and you could push them away. But I would say this, if those are the two risks, one of them comes with a benefit. Do you understand what I'm saying? The benefit of protection. Mm -hmm. So I would err on the side of protection versus the side of, you know, the, and, and this is another, and it was, and I, and I love uh, Cam Hamilton, by the way, who said this, and he was coming from one angle and this is a very valid angle, but not pertinent to what I was talking about. And that is you must allow your kids to make mistakes. And I totally agree with that. My mom didn't give us a, cur a curfew. She definitely gave us a lot of freedom. Okay. Mm -hmm. But you don't hand your child a loaded weapon yep. and under the guise of saying, I'm allowing them to make their own mistakes. So there's two different things, right? This is a loaded weapon. It is. Okay. It, they could it's, kill it's, themselves or they could kill someone else with it. Well, I think it's even, that's more not than making that. your own mistakes. The, the cell phone ranges from a loaded weapon to an IED and an improvised explosive device in, in the sense of a digital world for children. I'm going to be clear about this. Adults exactly. as well, but for children in particular. Yeah. You're not going to be able to control that data as much as you think. They're always going to find a way around it. 100%. You as a parent may think it's your tech savvy. I guarantee you your child by the age of six or seven will outmaneuver you on a phone 10 to 1. Yes. And, and I, I'll just give you a simple example. I'm good with tech. I really am. Michelle is, you're 39. Mm -hmm. Okay. I'm 58. So roughly 20 years between us. Michelle can outmaneuver me on social media apps five to one, 10 to one. And I watch it and it's because it's more native to her yeah. and, and just the way of her, your generation. And then to take it even further to Hannah, right? Yeah. Oh, there's another you know, 15 years younger than me. She, she outmaneuvers every step of the way. She's phenomenal. She is incredible. So Hannah is, I, I will struggle as an example with web design. And I will take me a week to do something. Hannah will pick it up in literally about 30 minutes and she'll be moving away on it. I mean, taking off on it. So this is our difference of where we are. And generationally, as the, as the kids get more exposed to it in their life, they are going to be better in maneuvering and, and adapting. Which is, you know, what's so scary about that is right. they will be better at finding the worst of the worst. That's correct. That is ultimately where it goes. So, so what I'm getting at here is because of my mother's protection and I, and now that I'm 39 years old, I can readily admit I didn't want to admit it at the time. Hey, hey, people in the kitchen that are talking, that are being really loud. Leah. <laughs> Sorry. This is a, this is a studio, but it's not. It's our basement. Okay. It, they still a, didn't even hear me. It's alive. They're still talking. It's alive. 
So anyway, um, so if it had not been for my mother doing that for like five or six years, right? I probably would have gone back to it. Like, yeah. like I, I know I would have, by yeah. the way, thinking the whole time I got this. Right. And so, confessing to my mom, mom, I'm fine, but I can look back now and I know that I wasn't. So let's break this out in a couple of ways. So first of all, there's a great question, a great comment here. I should define pornography because it's more subtle than you think. 100% correct. Okay. In this culture where I grew up less so for you, but the world I grew up in, pornography was a very specific genre. Yeah. Okay. And that was, it was pretty much what was in magazines and right. there was, and, and we kind of keep it there. Where we have moved to is that everything in media, right. from advertising to imagery, all you have to do is go on YouTube and just look at videos and just see how much sexualization has occurred. If you go to, and I'll tell you, if, just to witness, if you have not done it, just go to it, go look up fishing videos as one, that's a good one to follow, look at exercise videos. Those are two that will give you, you will be stunned oh if you boy. haven't done it. If you have not done that, you will be stunned at how much raw sexualization there is, all in the name of supposedly catching a fish, right? <laughs> Which is kind of ironic. But anyway, the, the whole point that I'm saying is everything has been sexualized because it's right. all driven on social media to gain hits and follows so that they can get more revenue from the advertising dollars. That's, bo that's the bottom line raw truth. Right. Okay. That creates a form of pornography in the sense of addiction and what we call soft, but it, there really isn't a distinction because once- There's no soft porn, right, by the way. It, it, it's once, just porn. It's just a matter of how long before the addiction grows to a higher and deeper level because all that has to do with neurochemicals that you're getting hit with that are constantly, and the child, are, the child is extremely susceptible to this. Yes. So there is that element. Okay, so I I'm, I'm really want to distinguish here because there's two things that run in parallel. One we acknowledge and we can prove which is the neurological chemicals, which deal with dopamine, they deal with adrenaline mm -hmm. and other things that create highly addictive experiences that then you seek to have more of. Right. Ultimately, what you're, what's happening is in your mind, you are becoming addicted to yourself. What I can't think this of- This is really more, good. No, this is really I, good. I can't think of a more devilish thing to do. Right. Now, here's the other side. And you know the Bible calls them lovers of self. Well, that's good. Right. Now, here's the other side. And this is the side, even foremost in faith, that there's, there's starting to be more dialogue about, but we lack the language to address it. Right. Patriots, the reality is that behind every porn image is a very dark force. We call it demons. You can call it a lot of things, mm -hmm. but there is a dark energy that's settling in and it's using these phones and it's using this whole experience to draw the occult into your life. Yeah. In simple terms, these phones, which become black mirrors, and I'm telling you this because this is literally right out of Aleister Crowley stuff. They they designed and worshipped and d built these phones to be demonic portals for the home. And if you're listening to what Joe Allen was talking about, and he is the leading expert on transhumanism, their whole point right now in bringing artificial intelligence into everybody's home through a like a central portal yeah. is to create a demonic portal into your home. That's really good. That is part of their doctrine. Right, this like all the Alexas and the right. whatever they're called. So this isn't this is not one of these like oh this is kind of that weird uh, out out of the edge Christian stuff where you guys start doing demonic deliverance. No, I'm telling you this is the warfare because we're in a spiritual warfare. Yeah, and it's documented. Yeah. Okay. Now what we're dealing with here with with pornography is it is literally right out of Ephesians six ten to eighteen which is talking about the principalities beyond our reach. Right. And this is how the war is being fought through the mind. And so you have the, the neurological chemical impact of this mm -hmm. 
backed by a spiritual penetration because you're literally the armor of God has been penetrated. That's really good. And so if you appreciate the the two domains of warfare and you start understanding what's going on, I'm setting this context because it's very, very important. And I'm going to, I'm giving Michelle and Leah a tremendous amount of credit here for opening my own eyes to what happened to me. Yeah. Okay. When you start to understand what the occult is doing. Now, if you remember the story of the pedophile whose neck I didn't cut, that apparently your mom said I should have. And go back in your mind and make it like you did. Oh, I did. <laughs> Already? I've replayed that That's one good. a couple of times. All right. So here's my point. When I left that incident, and I, and this never struck me until it, literally until it was about 2017, 2018, when, and when we started to get into the deeper part of this, what did he say to me when I left? I curse, curse you, you, I curse, curse you, you, I curse you. you. And I rebuked that, by the way. Okay, so here's why I say that. The occult was live and well. Mm-hmm. And all of this occult stuff was going on right in our own small town. There's Those aren't just words you say. Right. That's a witchcraft. It is. So... We have a root of this that is demonic, and they see, and if you look at the occult, and I, if you don't, if you haven't, please study it, and we'll provide more and more resources as we go along, but here's the reality. The occult magic is centered around sex of the flesh and wow. sacrifice in the blood. That's where they get their power, and the greatest prize that they can acquire is to break the innocence mm. in many forms of a child. Yeah. This is where they get their greatest power. So where do we step in with this with pedophilia? It is top tier of their operations. We are being attacked by pedophiles for this purpose. Once they can get material into a child's hands, they know that this child will lead a direction to ultimately having some sort of perverted act in their life yeah. and be ripped apart by this and then be affected for the rest of their life. It's about conquering innocence in the children. It's so important to understand this. What happens then for the child, speaking from personal experience, is you carry an unbelievable level of guilt your mm-hmm. whole life. But the problem is it's not your guilt because you were you were in you were groomed indirectly and you were groomed actually intentionally with materials to perform an act, to do an outcome, and this is where it leads. So where I'm getting at this is this has to change the dynamic in our families to understand where the source of the threat is coming from. At Bars Fest, and we had an amazing testimony on this today, I said something that got some people's back up pretty high. And what I said is, men and women, you have to start working together as a team okay. And when your husbands get addicted to porn or the wife gets addicted to porn. Why? What are we getting at? Because you're being attacked. And the attack is designed to split you on the emotional plane so that you're mad at each other. Mm-hmm. And the women, you get offended and you say, you've had an affair with somebody virtually in your mind, blah, blah, blah. Okay, and I was being... Some people took me this as me being very callous and non-sensitive to the emotional piece because what I said is, if you're having emotional stuff, you need to move past it and you need to work together as a team to overcome this attack. This is critical. You're in a war and your, your squad lead unit is a man and woman team and your role is to protect the children. The easiest attack you can make on a family is to get somebody in the, in the senior ranks, which is the woman the woman, meaning the mother or the man, husband, to be addicted to porn. Once you've done that, you have set a rift between that family wow. and you will destroy the family unit. Come on. If I'm designing warfare to destroy a family indirectly, or unconventional warfare, this is it. You would literally, like if you were CIA and, you, and that was your goal. Right there. 
That's exactly what I would use. I would use the method of pornography to infiltrate the family, to destroy the family unit, because I know that they will destroy themselves. That's how it plays. Yeah. And it's incredible. So what I'm telling you, and I'm telling, I'm, I'm really just making this a really important plea here for people to have some reason of mind and anchor themselves in mm -hmm. Christ, to have the power of faith to overcome these moments. Yeah. For better or for worse. Right. Okay. It means something. But it also, you have to anchor yourself in Ephesians 6, 10 to 18, because when you work together as a couple, mm -hmm. you are a team. Right. And your unit you are protecting are your children. That's really good. And your household is your firebase. Yeah. Once you understand those principles, you have to defend it. If you get a suicide bomber inside your ranks and it detonates, you don't turn on one another and start shooting one another. You pick up the pieces right. and, you, and you rebuild your team. Right. Pornography is your suicide bomber. Exactly. It's coming across the wire. And it's, it's coming getting, at both of you. It's coming at both of you in, in an indirect one. It's going directly at the mind. The other one, it's going directly at the emotions of the heart. And I would like to tell a testimony here and I will get back to my story, but this, it, it, this is really pertinent to it all. But Leah was on the phone with Rhonda Miller from purple for parents who did the Alfred Kinsey presentation at Bart's fest. And she said that after you said that on their way home, that's all they talked about because they had had some issues with pornography in their Several family. Several times. And that they never viewed it as an attack on both of them. They viewed it as an attack on her. Right. Right. And so we have to switch the narrative to understand that when you get married, you're one with that person. So if one of you is under attack from the devil, the design is, is the attack for both of you. And then essentially your children as well. Correct. To bust up the entire family. That's the whole intention here. The entire intention of this warfare is to destroy the family unit. And kill children. And kill children. And killing them is both virtual and sometimes physical or mm -hmm. spiritual and physical. Yeah, I knew what you meant. <clears throat> killing a child is to kill its innocence. Yeah. And that's part of the fabric of the universe. Right. This is something that I was so stunned one morning in prayer when God said, literally in my head, says to me, they are trying to destroy the innocence. The innocence, it's incredible because the earth's fabric, the world's fabric of humanity is built on the innocence of the children, which teaches us the measure of mercy with one another yeah. and compassion. When we strip that away, we become what we are. We become hateful to one another. We become violent, unstable, emotionally disengaged. This is what's happened. Right. And this is why this war on children has such a much deeper issue than ever before. So we have to be able to start reclaiming that high ground. And the way to do that is literally begins as a family unit to start reconfiguring the way you perceive your role in this war. Sure. You're under attack. It's that simple. Defend your families. So if you understand that and you understand one of the easiest portals into the family is a cell phone, is a computer, is right. a tablet for your children, don't give the enemy the tools. Exactly. Take it away and give your children peace of mind and secure the walls of your firebase for your family. Yeah. You know, I actually noticed that there were some families at Bards Fest whose children didn't have cell phone and they were cell phones and they were teenagers. And it was so refreshing to see mm -hmm. like a child that's not addicted to their cell phone and and for you know, pornography is the ultimate harm, but just the dopamine hits that your kids are getting Oof. from, I mean, it's, it's literally, you are literally breaking your child, 
no child should be should be seeing these things because it all of us actually it's bad for all of us but it's really really bad for a developing mind now scott i want to go back and i want to finish up this story but i got a couple other thoughts in the midst of it yeah go. number one it never occurred to me until tonight that all three of my perpetrators which we're calling them because they were were 100 percent looking at pornography they had to be and so what happened to me also was a result of pornography, and I never put that together until tonight. It's big, and you need to. This is important for you to let that go. Right, your role here, because this is what I've talked about, and I, I mean, I'm just going to go right to it. And, and Leo will be down here in a bit, I guess. I'm sure. I hope so. Okay, so here, here's the deal. She's got to tell her story, and it's yeah, she does. Really good. It's another good one. Okay, yeah, it's going to be a long show. So if we you, may just go into the midnight and then to the the fishers or something. We'll just do that and then we'll cut it down or not and whatever. We'll figure it out. You guys are fine. You can listen to you can literally you know you can pause a show. <laughs> you, you, I mean you don't have to like I break shows in half all the time when they're long, but I'm thinking to myself like and everyone loves it. Like thank you for breaking that in half. And I'm thinking to myself like you can't stop it yourself. Yeah, you can pause like, it. Yeah, it's all good. It's all good. All right. I got to think where I was going. You said that this is good for you to be able to let your role go or something. Yeah, it's, it, it, and I'll see. I just totally got off track. That's okay. Let me keep going. Yeah, keep going. Okay, so 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 that thought hit me, but I want to also tell you something that my mom told me that was really important. It was like that night or the next night when we're, you know, this was like a nuclear bomb had hit our family. Full stop, like a death in the family. Like you find out that someone in your family is a murderer, like one of these things. Like it's like, what do you do now? How do we move forward? And you've experienced that, by the way. Yep. So you know that feeling. Yep. And I think a lot of you guys have too. So we're kind of sitting around being you know, kind of trying to process it. And my mom, who is a saint, by the way, set the tone with kind of she came at it from the view of the way that you should. I'm a child. And this was done to me, knowing full well who I really am, not just in Christ, but in my own professions of faith and actions and fruit in my life, that this was not what I wanted. And I remember, I don't remember how the conversation went exactly like what I said, but it was in reference to somehow I wanted to do this, I'm guilty, whatever. And my mom looked at me and she said, Michelle, you didn't want this. And I remember sobbing and I'm like, but yes, I did. I did want this. And she's like, no, you didn't. You're going to have to come to grips with the fact that this wasn't you and you didn't want it. And boom, if we were to parent our children like that, Instantly, the guilt, and I kid you not, the guilt from that specific experience has never really seated in. I mean, it it, it creeps up just a little bit, mm -hmm. but never that deep-rooted, like, super heavy guilt that I would be bearing if my mom had not done that. But God's not going to let us forget everything for good reason, because exactly. there's some lessons in that. Sure. But it's the bearing of the pain that he can, that he right. can take off our shoulders. And, and but, but like I said, right. the guilt. Mm -hmm. You know, like, like it's my fault. And so moving forward, you know, into my twenties. And of course, at that point, you, my mom's seeing fruit. You, you, you have to give your, your just not just children, but people in your life. Let's say your husband betrays a trust. It takes time, sometimes five, six, 10 years for that trust to earn back, mm -hmm. even though you have the love and you have the forgiveness, but it is okay to take the time to rebuild the trust. It could take a decade. It doesn't matter as long as the family is restored and the love is there, the trust and, and, and in both parts. And so I knew for years that I, it, for, because I loved my mom, I allowed her to do the things that would protect me so that I could build that trust. And I enjoyed doing it by the way. I was, I didn't begrudge it. Because I, it was out and I actually, I felt an, a tremendous 
sense of of just sadness that I that it, we were here. Mm-hmm. But that was it. So anyway, over the years, then we graduate to you know Michelle's fine. You can you can totally trust her again and stuff like that. And um and another hurdle hits hits me a completely broadside out of just completely. And I'm not going to get into the de- the details of that one because I don't think it's necessary for tonight's show. Um, but I will say this, that out of that specific situation, my entire outlook of who I am was transformed and God used that situation in a very strange way to heal the pain that I had had from not having a loving father and not knowing what love was essentially. Boy, I tell you, you've hit on something that we have to talk about and I'm going to talk about on a couple of levels here. I was blessed to have an incredible father. Yeah. Okay. And this is a man who, as an example, and I, and I, I just is so impactive, and I, and it was such a gift is that he never missed a single event of my sports or band or anything I did. Yeah. I, I remember an incident when I was in I was in middle school, I think seventh grade actually, and I had managed for some goofball reason to qualify for the state uh, events in shot put. Now, yeah, I, I didn't even really throw shot put. Yeah. And it meant driving up to Portland the next day, which was three and a half hours. Yeah. And getting a hotel. He literally canceled work. I, he saw me. He's like, oh, you won. All right. Tomorrow we're going. I mean, it's just this is the dad I had. And my mom was always supportive of it. Never missed an event. If I was wrestling, you look around somewhere in there, my dad would be there because he always told his clients, my son comes first. OK. We have such a crisis right now in our nation of either lack of dads or broken mm, dads. Okay? That's really good. So this is where I'm going to talk tonight a little bit, and, I, and not just a little bit, but a lot. Okay, I have two adopted boys, and then we, we're, at this point, we're estranged, and that has to do with an ugly divorce, but that's the way it goes. But I raised them with all my heart, mm-hmm. and they turned out to be great young men, okay? And, and here's the deal. Um, that what happened in a most extreme part of my life when I was estranged from my father because of the rupture he and I had for 10 years. Mm-hmm. But what never left me was the gift he gave me of being a good father. Now, when I have a relationship with Father God, I have a reference point in the, in the domain of humans of what a good father is like. Now, I want you to think about this for just a moment. We are dealing with so many youth that don't have a father and we're trying to talk to them about a relationship with Father God. They don't even know where to begin to understand what that relationship is. Right. And on top of that, so many men, and men, I'm, I'm hitting hard because the truth and the numbers is there. And I know because of the number of people I've dealt with now in dealing with porn addictions. The Father himself has been corrupted by these visceral images of the flesh. Yeah. And your perception, too many men, I'm not going to generalize outrightly, but way too many men have objectified the wife or the woman they're with in a sexual way for pleasure and not as the mother nurture of the family. Right. Okay. This is a real talk here. Okay. Now, I'm going to tell you a real story. I'm going to keep names out, but this is real. I was assigned to work with a colonel. Even when I was in Afghanistan, this is when I was working for Hank Crumpton's company. Hank Crumpton was in, in general and the ambassador at large for the CIA. Yeah. Okay? And I was working for a company of his, not, not for the agency, but as a contracted element for his company. I had a role to do for a period of time to work with a colonel to make sure that we keep him straight in the narrow, to help him fulfill his mission, 
because the guy was a loose cannon. Mm -hmm. But where was he a loose cannon? Sex. Wow. All right. I have saved this colonel's life more times than I can tell you because of his indiscretions. But even then, I would find him, in spite of all of this, I'd have to go collect him because he's in somebody's bed or somebody's room. Oh, dear God. He's on deployment, and he has a family of, at six waiting for him at home and a wife. Now, here's the general statement you hear all the time. And guys have deployed, you know the statement, and I'm going to stay it up front. I have never, ever had an affair when I was deployed in any fashion. I'm saying that outrightly and before God. Okay? And it's important because I was in a relationship at the time. So I'm saying this because, guys, you know that if you deployed this nonsense statement that says what goes on downrange stays downrange, that may be fine for you to think, but it doesn't stay downrange with God. And it doesn't stay downrange with the commitment you made in your marriage. And this is real. Yeah. Okay. That colonel came back and I, and I, he eventually got back. Interestingly, that the minute that I pulled off within 30 days, he was literally put on a on-base arrest, investigated for pornography and sent home. No way. Okay. I'm not kidding. This is incredible. So I get invited to his house after he gets back. And so I stopped by to see him. And we're sitting there with his family, and he says, would you like to join us for dinner? And they're mm-hmm. acting like nothing's going on. And I literally said, no, I have to leave. And I walked away because the hypocrisy was beyond belief. I don't live by the way it goes. I do in the sense of not destroying people's lives, mm-hmm. but I don't agree in any passion or sense of my body of what goes on downrange stays downrange. Yeah. So here's what I'm getting at. Man, this is a big deal. And whether your downrange is at work or whether your downrange is when you're on a travel business trip or whether your downrange is in the military. If you're having affairs, if you are having indiscretions on your family, if you're doing online sex dating, sex stuff, doing chat rooms, whatever you're doing, knock it off. Can I can I add something to that? Mm-hmm. And I don't want to offend anybody, but I feel like this is the spirit of God right now. If you're doing those things then you're not where God's called you to be. Oh, no, that's dead on. And you're exactly correct. And here's at the core of that, you're running a race here that is destructive on so many levels. And ultimately, the victims are going to be your family. And if you have kids, it's going to be the legacy in your children. Now, watch this, because this this was a hard one to swallow. Mm -hmm. The woman that I married, my first marriage with the two adopted boys, was a train wreck. Our marriage was a train wreck. I knew it after the first year. And I knew that we were not supposed to be together. The reason I stayed, as noble as it sounds, but it's important because you're going to find how quickly this gets undone, was because I stayed to be the boy's father. Sure. Okay. Once we divorced, 10 years later, the youngest were driving down the road. He's at this point 15 years old. And he says, Papa, I have a question. I said, what is it? He said, why did you stay with Mama? I said, because I stayed for you. He said, yes, but you've never been happy. Oh, wow. Let me tell you, you want to have a gut punch? That's it. Right there. If you think for a second that your children don't read you. Oh, they totally do. If you think for a second that you're looking at porn men and you're having stuff going on and they don't read you, you're wrong. Because the child sees the heart like the Kevin sees the heart. Yeah. And it is so important 
that we understand this. Now, I've said this before, I'm dead serious. And I know there's still a number of guys that I have not gotten back to on porn addictions and will do it. But if you need help here, I'm here. I'm happy to help you and work you through work through things. If you have, are one of those guys who've deployed downrange and you've had some stuff going on in your, in your life, you did some indiscretions, I'm happy to work you through it. Okay, but at the end of the day, there has to be a confessional and there has to be a release on this. Yeah. Because it's going to destroy what you have. And there has to be a way of working through this. And this is where the team thing comes in again. Because in these difficult moments, you have to go back to the words for better or for worse. Yeah. And that's a vow that meant something to my parents' generation. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, today, it's kind of just like words we say with candy coating. Okay. Yeah. But man, it's really important because the war has been waged against men primarily in the last few years. It's amped up. Now it's going for the mothers and the children. And the reason that is is because men have been taken off the battlefield. Yeah. And guilt is the number one reason. You may not want to acknowledge guilt. I get it. Don't let your ego get in the way. This is not here tonight to make you feel warm and cuddly or try to bust you up bust you up, or build you up because you're in a vulnerable place. Honesty is to the heart. And I'm telling you this straight as a warrior. The integral thing that when I work with special operations as a guy from the outside, remember, I am not special forces. I was never trained that way. I am not Navy SEAL. I was never trained that way. I had the honor and privilege of being trained by some extremely proficient people in what I did. And I had the greater honor and privilege of working with these men. What stood about with what stood out with me was the moral integrity, which I brought to the fight. Mm -hmm. And you have to look at your life like that. This is a moment in time when you have to literally lean in and say, okay, if you made a mistake, this is the hardest part I'm going to say. You're going to have to put that before God and you're going to have to accept the consequences of God's judgment in order to set things right. And you have to actually confess it. You do. You do. You, you, you have to own it. Like not own it, depending on the situation, because I want to read this comment here. This is really good. Um, S.D. Keith says, the idea that what happened to me when I was young was not my doing is a major introduction to my memories. It has jumbled everything. So I'm really glad that that we've been able to jumble everything for you guys. But I have a couple of thoughts through all this that I want to throw out there. Um, When it comes to pornography and, and I like to use the term sexual deviancy because anything that is outside of sexual norm is deviant. So if you are reading, um, novels that are really, really, really good, but then there's a sex scene in it and you read that sex scene that's explicit, you have a porn addiction. Um, If you're watching a movie and the same thing applies and you watch the sex scene, you have a porn addiction. If you are watching Game of Thrones, you are very, very far down the rabbit hole and need to come back. Um, All of these things that we think are normal, they are sexually deviant. And so we have to bring it back. Now, you said something really key here, Scott, that you said you're going to talk to you like a warrior. Leah said before tonight's show, she was like, I want to go into this and say, before we even get started, guys, we're going to tell you some hard truths and they're going to sound, they're going to be a little bit painful, but they're for your good. And I want you to imagine a sergeant that and I don't really believe in this kind of training, but just go with me. A sergeant that's that's like screaming in your ear, like, you know, <laughs> get up, get out, get off your butt. Like, no, let's go. go. Like it doesn't work like that. Hey, I'm not going to yell like you do. Get up. <laughs> Knock him out. Exactly. Right. So, so you guys, we have to do this because we don't have time for 
this kind of nonsense. And, 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 and the last thing that I want to add here is this, whether it's Game of Thrones, whether it's the little novel that you're reading with the explicit sex scene, or you're doing whatever downrange, or you're just looking at a couple of pictures online, or maybe it's a little magazine or Sports Illustrated or something that seems like, okay, it's not really that bad. You are opening up the door to demons. And if you have a family, you are opening up the door to demons for them. So imagine this, you are deployed overseas. And I'm not picking on the military because this applies for anybody, but you're talking about do, the, do the, the When guys. we say deployed, just leave it in deployed. Okay. Because deployed is away from the family. Thank you. That's good. Yeah. Okay. okay. That's helpful. When you're, you're away from your family, regardless, whether you're away from your family or you're with your family, when you open up your spirit, which is now connected to your family, your Eds or Kenegdu, which is your uh, warrior wife, Okay, this is a biblical term, okay, who is your helper, your help meet. Okay, it's a warrior term because in the new in the old testament, God is actually called the Ezer Kenegdu. Um, it's, it's your it's this, and that's in, in reference to a time of war. So if, if your wife is your help meet and your Ezer Kenegdu, that means she's your warrior help, which is really fascinating. So you got your Ezer Kenegdu and you've got your children who are one with you, and you open up your mind and your body to a demonic realm and it doesn't just affect you you might as well open up your child's bedroom door or your wife's bedroom door and say to the perpetrator go in okay so there's actually a real film that portrays just that really it's called monsters oh yeah 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 yeah. monsters yeah, yeah. that's so true i never thought about monsters that depicts exactly what you're talking, so you're talking about the cartoon at the cartoon animated film of monsters where they go into the child's room at night and oh my gosh. that's what that's all about. It's, it is a, it is a portrayal of what you're talking about. Okay. So, so what do we do? We, we, we have to turn and repent. First, you have to recognize what you're doing before you can stop it. Okay. So that's number one. So tonight I, I, I didn't plan on going down this route, but I think that it's really important because it's all tied together. Like I just, it just dawned on me, like you guys are having those moments. I'm having those moments. Scott's having the, we're all having these moments these days, right? It's and no, totally not become schizophrenic or something. So, I don't know. And it's, and it's not, it is, <laughs> it is the coffee, <laughs> but I'm not even drinking coffee. So, so this realization that these perpetrators were looking at pornography and it ties back to, um, Alfred Kinsey, which we've been talking about that for weeks and I never did that. And, and, and I'm, I'm really glad that I've come to this conclusion. It's really fascinating. I want to finish this story on the side of hope because I want you guys to know the heart of Leah and I, and I'm going to start with myself and Leah's going to finish. And I'm just about done with this story. So what I have done now in healing the past and healing the wound of a lack of having a loving father who showed me what real love from a male is and, and filling that hole. And now that's healed. Um, but over the years, I have made a dedication to expand the kingdom of God above all else. So when we talk about purity and we talk about holiness, guys, I have, I have had many opportunities. It's not, and, and Leah has too. And this is not a lack of opportunity that Leah and I are not married. Okay. I don't say that out of arrogance or anything like that. I think, I think people, most people get it. You can, anybody can get married. Literally anyone can get married if that's your goal. That's never been my goal. My goal has to been has been to run my race. And then when that person that I'm supposed to run the next leg of the race with, when we get to that leg, they will show up. Good. And so that's my job. I have to keep my eyes on the prize. And I have done that. And this it's kind of like Leah, you know, Paul says in this one thing, I will boast. I will say this. 
in this one thing I will boast, I have laid down getting married and having children, even though they are literally, both of those things, having children being the primary, are the number one desire that courses through my veins all the time, Mm -hmm. okay? Uh, But I have laid that down for the cross and for the advancement of the kingdom of God so that your children and your marriages may be restored, okay? In that one thing I will boast, because you, and I say that because I think that in tonight's show, it's very important for you guys to hear my heart on where we, where, who Leah and I really and truly are, because we're so used to it. And I see it all the time in the truth movement. We just had, um, was it Christy Nome that failed us by having the divorce? And, um, Christy Nome is a slut. And Lauren Boebert with her chest popping out in the movie theater, being groped and all this, that, and the other, these people that we put on pedestals, let us down. Okay. And I'm not going to promise to never let you down in other areas, But in this one, I can guarantee you. And how do I know? Because I've already walked through the fire and all of that has been burned away. That's awesome. All of those weaknesses have been burned away. And now this is, this is an area where I know beyond a shadow of a doubt, I have been redeemed. I have been healed and I have been set apart. And so I just, I kind of wanted to come tonight before you guys, because where we are headed, we can't have any kind of baggage, whether you have a dependency on money and that's your primary goal, whether you have a, a codependency, like you're a single, a single mom and you just have to be married and you think you have to have a guy or you have a porn addiction or whatever it is, these baggages that you have, you, your childhood memories, you name it. Okay. We can't go forward with any baggage. We have to lay it all down online and we're a team resistance, chicks, nation, bards, nation, the body of Christ as a whole, we are a team and where we're headed we have to be saying, burn us away. And what we need to do, and instead of protecting our perpetrators, and we've been talking about this, has been a theme around our house. It's been a theme through Bards Fest in the past few days. And Leah's really been hammering this. We all, all must submit to allow ourselves and those that we love the most that we're trying to protect that we know are in the wrong to go through the refiner's fire. So we don't want to go through the refiner's fire And we don't want them to go through the refiner's fire because we're afraid that they won't make it. And you know what? They may not. That's a tough, hard truth. Hard truth. This is really a time when hearts are being revealed. I can't stress that enough. And it's a hard look deep within that God's putting us in and deep within the bowels of Bard's nation and and Bard's fest was that seed that was planted Mm-hmm. That hearts are now being exposed. Yeah. Okay. There is going to be a lot of, of challenges to a lot of people. And it's a process right now where you have to stand up. I don't care where you sit in your position. I don't care where your stature is in your church. I don't care where your stature is in your society, in your culture, in the community in which you live. You have to look deeper in your heart and you have to get rid of the baggage from the past. Mm-hmm. And these are things that are. We have to do this because we have to do this constantly. So yeah. you all know I've, I've studied martial arts a lot. Um, I, have, I continue to practice the mental disciplines of martial arts even to this day. Yeah, that's good. And part of this is you have to get to a place where you are, you are literally shedding everything that's unimportant until you get to the refinement and the perfection of the moves and the techniques and the discipline so that no more do you think, but your mind and your body become one. Yeah, This is literally our walk in faith. 
because we have to become unified. And you can't get unified if you're going to be carrying this baggage of stuff that keeps getting in your way. And this is why I've talked about before this principle of quiet mind, which for many is a very foreign principle in our faith. Mm -hmm. And it's simply to sit and be still. Yeah. We don't practice that. Right. Peace be still is not just words. It's literally an action. Yeah. And if you try to sit, and I would encourage everybody to do this process, as you sit and breathe and just breathe in the breath of God mm -hmm. and let him speak, you will find something very quickly if you haven't done this before. Yeah. Your time of being able to sit quiet will probably be about 15 to 60 seconds. Yeah. Because your mind's going to become cluttered and agitated with the many things of the world that are not important, but mm -hmm. they are important in your head. You have to let them go. Right. And the longer that you learn to sit in the discipline of being with God in the presence of that, the more you let go and the more you're able to sit and hear his voice. I like it. This is a beautiful, beautiful thing to do. Yeah. And it is such a simple act that is so difficult to accomplish that we become more refined by the fires right. within our faith and we become stronger in he mm -hmm. and we become greater in the kingdom. So I want to take what you just said there and kind of tie it into my testimony because this is this is very, very important. It's been in those times of quietness mm -hmm. that have built my resolve and, and strengthened who I am in my faith and in knowing Father, knowing Holy Spirit, knowing Jesus, that I... Guys, I say I say this, and I and I want to make this really, really clear. When I say that it is my desire every day to get married and have children, it's it's deep within me, but it's not a constant. It's not in my the forefront of my brain. It's because it's no. I know it's who I'm created to be, and that will be the end result. But right now, I'm so mission focused that I am undistractable in this time. Like I cannot be distracted. Why? Because of those intimate times. Now, this is really good. This is a word from the Lord because we're talking about intimacy here, Scott. You just you just described an intimate moment with the Lord. Incredibly right? intimate. So in intimacy with God, with Father, you do not have a, a desire or a hunger for the lust of the flesh. Oh, that's well said. And I'll give you a physical re representation of this. Just take a high-level athlete. Yes. If you are a high-level athlete, you are so focused on your mission, take a high-level operator in the military, high-level anything. When you are so focused on your craft and your trade, right. your profession, your athletics, whatever it is, and that's where your mind rests, mm -hmm. you have no room for the right. distractions, which yeah. would be essentially distractions of the flesh. This week, we don't even have room for like food or sleep. Well, I just want to highlight that a minute. <laughs> And what my mom's word, Leah, what was it? Five right before Bards Fest, what was the exact word that she said? There will be no slumber. You won't sleep or slumber or something correct. like that. But she prophesied will, it. Leah cooked some great steaks last night for the carnivore diet guy that yeah, I had. They am. were pretty good. Yeah, they were good. And they were at, we did it at two AM. It was great. Just so I say it. Yeah, no, they were delicious. So I'm gonna have Leah pop in here in a second, but before I do, I want Oh, you're not getting out of this one. No, you're not getting out well, of this she one. Do, she could do it later okay. tonight, too. All right. You, well, you, we could do the 12 o'clock show. We okay. could end this. Let me. I want to read this scripture. This is really important. It's not really so much. Well, I, I, I'm not going to read the whole scripture. I'm going to tell the story, and then I'm going to read one part of it. So in 1 Samuel 15, when uh, essentially Saul is re rejected as king, okay, he comes up, and he's all, like, giddy. You know, Samuel's told, you know, hey, Saul, you're not going to be king anymore. And, uh, and. This is what God says to Samuel. I greatly regret that I have set Saul up as king, 
for he has turned back from following me and has not performed my commandments. And it says that this grieved Samuel and he cried out to the Lord all night long. You know why he did that? Because he was going to be the one that had to deliver the news. Mm -hmm. And it's never easy to deliver something like that. Like you cry out to God when God, sometimes God speaks to us. And I want to, this is, this is going to be relevant on multiple levels. Sometimes God is calling you to leave someone in your life and it's a very difficult or a very difficult decision to make. Now, sometimes God's calling you to stay and it's equally as difficult. Either way, a lot of times God will speak something to us and we grieve on it all night long and we don't want to do it. So here's here Samuel's having to deliver this blow. So he rises up early and he goes to meet Saul. And uh, and so when Saul sees Samuel, he says, blessed are you of the Lord. I have performed the commandment of the Lord. And he had not, by the way, in this moment. And Samuel says, what then is this bleeding of the sheep in my ears and the lowing of the oxen, which I hear? And Saul says, well, they've brought them from the Amalekites for the people spared the best of the sheep and the oxen to sacrifice to the Lord your God. And the rest we have utterly destroyed. He was supposed to destroy them all. Then Samuel says to the Saul, be quiet, exclamation point, And I will tell you what the Lord said to me last night. And Saul says, speak on. Samuel says, so when you were little in your own eyes, were you not head of the tribes of Israel and did not the Lord anoint you as king over Israel? Now the Lord sent you on a mission and said, go and utterly destroy the sinners, the Amalekites and fight against them until they are utterly consumed. What we're looking at right now, guys, is we cannot play games. God oftentimes tell us, tells us to utterly consume the, the demons and the principalities and the hordes, but because we're trying to protect someone, we don't fully eradicate them. And this is really important. Why then did you not obey the voice of the Lord? Why did you swoop down on the spoil and do the evil in the sight of the Lord? And Saul says to Samuel, but I have obeyed the voice of the Lord. I've gone on the mission on which the Lord sent me and brought back Agag, king of, Am of the Am Amalek. I have utterly destroyed the Amalekites, but the Lord took of but the people took of the plunder. So here he blames the people and the sheep and the oxen and the best of the things which should have been utterly destroyed to the sacrifice of the Lord your God in Gilgal. So Samuel says this, and this is what I wanted to get to. Has, has the Lord as great delight in burnt offerings and, and sacrifices as in obeying the voice of the Lord? And a lot of times in our lives, we think that we're doing God's will because we're obeying some sort of specific thing. Like let's say... Um, staying in a marriage that you're not supposed to stay in. And I'm not telling people to leave their marriages because sometimes you're supposed to stay and you think you're supposed to leave. I'm not, I'm not saying that. This is just an example, okay? It, they think that, the thing that seems right and you're not supposed to stay there, like you said with your marriage, you weren't happy. You should have left. Am I right? Yeah, but I mean, I think I made the right decision. I think you did raising the boys. Right. Right. But in, 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 in essence, in the beginning, you weren't supposed to be there. No, not at right? all. Right. So, so it, it seems like the right thing at the time. I mean, but literally, I remember the morning I woke up and it was like, you're like oh, like, shoot. I, I was in the wrong place. Exactly. Yeah. So so staying in the in the in the right place for the wrong reasons, uh, or or I guess I should say staying in the wrong place for the right reasons is still wrong. So he says, "Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice, and to heed than the fat of rams." And this is the line I want you guys to get: for rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft, and stubbornness is as iniquity and idolatry. Because you have rejected the word of the Lord, he also has rejected you from being king. Rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft. That's something that we don't focus on because we can talk about, um, you know, Arena Abramovich and spirit cooking and drinking of blood and, you know, SRA and all of these things, right? 
Saul just allowed some goats to be saved and allowed the people to take some stuff. And that rebellion in the sight of the Lord was the sin as if it was the sin of witchcraft. And that witchcraft cost him the kingdom, cost him the king. And you'll remember that Saul was tormented by demons all the time. And the only thing that would calm it was when David came and played the lyre, when he played the harp or whatever you want to call it. He had demons. He was practicing in witchcraft. And when you rebel against even a small thing, or it seems like a small thing, you are practicing witchcraft. So if you are looking at these magazines, if you are reading these no- novels, if you are allowing your children to open the porter- portal of the black mirror, and you know that they are going to be in trouble, then you are practicing witchcraft. And again, to speak to this, because I wanted to say this earlier, and it may seem off topic, but it, it's not. It's actually really, really important. Your children need you to protect them at all costs. And if you do not do that, that is on you. We can talk all day long about the things that are not your fault. What happened to you as a child, different things, this was done to you, pornography, molestation, whatever. When your kids are yours, once you have heard this message that we are telling tonight, this is why this is really hard. Because once you know, then there's no excuse. Up to this point, okay, up to this point, there may be a mild amount of excuses because of the society and the way that this was thrust upon us. But now that you know just how dangerous these things are and you continue to allow your child when you know that they have a porn addiction. Okay, we have a very, very, very good friend of ours that we've been that, that that is not our friend right now in the moment because we were talking to him about his family and how there were a lot of demonic open doors. And we kept telling him that his son was having problems with pornography. Okay. And then come to find and, and he's brushing it off. No, my son's solid, I'm solid, and he's going on in the ministry and everything like that. And meanwhile, we we find out later that there have been a host of horrible things going on with his son involved. And as a parent, he did not do what needed to be done. He knew he, he had a porn addiction. So he knows very well how bad it is, but didn't take the steps. When I, when I, when I told him, I, 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 I said, you have to protect your son because if you don't do this, he's going to lose everything. And he couldn't do it because of convenience and life. And it's not that bad guys. The message that I want you to walk away with from my testimony. Okay. What little you could put in quotes happened to me was not little. It changed the, and altered the course of my life. And what we have done is we have normalized sexual deviancy. We watch the movies. Do you know, and I'm just going to, I'm just going to straight up tell you guys this. I do not and have not watched a kissy scene. And that's what we call them. I know it sounds silly. Have not watched a kissy scene in a movie probably in 25 years. Now that's not to say that I don't watch movies that have those, but we either fast forward or we all look away. This is how it's done in my house and in my family. We do not allow that stuff to go in our minds. Why? Because we're going to do something about it. No, because that's not an image that God designed to put in my mind. Very well said. And so this is the biggest challenge here. The cultural, you have more? No, that's it. Okay. 
The cultural challenge that we're facing right now in an information war in a context in which we're in is an inundation and overwhelming attack on every front of information to sexualize yeah. and to program you deeply to disrupt and destroy innocence and the purity of your heart of God. Yeah. There are going to be some tough realities to face. I said a statement last night, and I stand by this, and I will stand by this at all costs. And I mean this, and this goes to men. What has happened over time is there's been an acceptance of the physical flesh of passion. That's good. Mistaking that for the, for the experience of spiritual love that's expressed in the physical. Much yeah. different. Much different. So I will always argue against the other because I have already done that sin. Wow. Okay? And I have confessed it and brought it before the throne. But I will never have someone tell me somehow that there is a physical center in a relationship without having it first be spiritual Mm -hmm. And then the spiritual being expressed in the flesh is different. Right. So that's the line I make. And right. men, I'm telling you, this is important because you're shaping your families. You're shaping everything because you are truly the head of the household. And much of this is going to create a necessary, it's going to challenge people. And I guarantee you, there'll be some that'll reach out, which I'll be glad to be there for you. There'll be others that'll think I'm nuts and crazy. God bless you. Okay. That road to hell is paved by good intentions or ignorance of God. Yeah. But on the other hand, I'm asking you all to take it to prayer and think about. Right. This is a paradigm shift, and it is a huge one. And it is one that if we are literally going to address what I put in the title of this film tonight, or this show tonight, morals mm. and morality of a nation, yeah. we have to make a significant pivot. I do not care how many people you vote into office. I don't care how much porn you take out of the environment. I don't care how many kids you stop trafficking. Mm. Until this nation shifts to a moral position back to God, places spiritual relationship with our Father first in everything, we are not winning this fight. Yeah. Okay? And that truly goes to the simple words that Jesus said to the adulteress, which are significant. Yeah. Go and sin no more. I want you to think about that for a minute. That was an adulteress, someone who was obsessed with the life of the pleasures of the flesh. Sure. And what Jesus has told her is, who are your accusers? And they were none at that point. Because why? Because every one of them had to point the finger at themselves and be disengaged. Yeah. And then he set her on her way to say, go and sin no more. Which is really important because God doesn't leave you in your sin. A lot of people are like, oh, God just forgives me. And then you go back to it and back to it and back to it. That The Bible says then you crucify Christ afresh. Right. So it also tells you something else. In living in the spirit, it mm. is possible. Impossible. In, it, is, it is possible. It is possible while living in the spirit to live sinless. Yes, yes, way. yes. I, I thought you were going for the scripture that when you're in the spirit, you can't fulfill the lust of the flesh. No. I got it. Okay. Got it. I'm with you. That's, that's what Jesus was saying. So. What did you just say? Oh, oh, that's <laughs> well, thank you, Leah. Oh that was timely. That's good. Okay, right. so so we're, we're going to close. No, with we are going. We we. I I have. I had one more thought, and I'm wondering, Scott. Yes. So you said you always wanted a little sister. Yeah, I do. Uh, Leah may get a little. Uh, Leah gets upset at me because my entire life, whenever I had a question um, in these kinds of areas, I would just bluntly ask them to my mother. Here she says what I'm going to do. I asked you a question last night. Yeah. And I'm willing, I'm, I'm wondering oh if you'll be willing, stop gosh. it. I'm wondering if you'll be willing to address this here on the show. 
Okay. Go. Do you know what I'm talking about? No. Okay, so so we have been talking about uh, this wonderful word of needs. Oh my I got needs. I'm about to go all little sister. And if you, everybody wanted a little sister on all right, this. Just, just ask it. Okay. I asked you because I've, I've never had sex. Okay. okay I've never had a sexual, I've, I've never had sex. <laughs> okay. Like what we're talking about. Okay. So 500 times. stop it. Listen, little sister. And I asked you and I said, I'm hearing from all these people that they have trouble in their marriages and they, they drift to porn because there's some sort of, uh, their partner, they cannot sleep with their partner anymore. And, they, oh, and, 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 and so this is, this is such a big, I've got these needs. You don't understand. I have to look at pornography or I have to read a romance novel or I have to do whatever because I got these needs and it's my needs. And this is the big excuse for why they, they look at porn. And I'm like, listen, I'm 39 years old. I don't think I'm broken. Okay. But I'm okay. Like this is not a big deal to me. Oh, Michelle, you're not married. If you were married, it really would be a big deal. I don't think so because I desire deep, passionate relationships in every area of my life where the intimacy level is intellectual. It is spiritual. It is emotional and, and physical. It's like, Hey, that's great. But it's for one purpose. It's to bring about children. It's not a need. Like I need food, air and sleep and water. Okay. So I asked you the question very bluntly. I was like, is it really that big of a deal when you're married? I mean, you got to have it like every other second. What's the deal? I'm going to, I think it's a great question. This is a great question. This is a great question. Leah's over there blushing. (laughs) She said she's leaving the basement. (laughs) Leah's on the way out. I asked you to come on the show. I said, hey, why don't you come in and tell your story? You're like, nah, you got it. So I'm I'm running away with it. This is going to be the last. We got really serious for a long time. No, I think this is awesome. This is a serious question. This is a great question. question. I'm going to nail it. Okay. I think it's awesome. I've lived both worlds. I loved your I loved your answer yesterday, by the way. Okay. And That's I've why lived, I'm asking. I, I've lived both I've lived both worlds. Right. Okay. And it's important because in one relationship, two, I actually in most of my relationships, everything was built first on sex. Right. And it was the wrong foundation. Right. In fact, here's something that's important. I was engaged and we were given a true God moment. Mm-hmm. It was incredible. And this God moment was literally, t- and I'm not exaggerating, the whole world went black and white and the focus was on us, we thought, and the world time literally stopped for about 20 minutes of just hugging. Oh, wow. And that got converted to sex. Okay. And from that point forward, everything went right downhill. Wow. That was a God gift to us to show us the true love in the spirit and we missed it, both mm-hmm. of us. And we both realized it later. Okay, so here's my answer. Relationships that are built on the physical nature have a level or a plateau that they will hit, unfortunately. And I think that over time, what happens is they ultimately have to be recontracted and rediscovered, especially as changes in the relationship go. Right. Relationships that are built on something greater are not driven by what you're saying. Right. Now, I'm always going to hear this, the needs of the man and so forth. You okay. hear it all the time. It's all endless. Right. But you know what? Now I want to get into the real of this. Okay. I spent three and a half years downrange. Okay. And never one bit of ill propriety with anyone. Right. Okay. That means abstinence for three and a half years. Mm-hmm. I traveled the world mm-hmm. for more. And I have and never any sort of ill propriety. Mm-hmm. So now we're at about five years. Right. Since 2014, when I left that last relationship, I committed myself towards a path with Christ until such a time would arrive that he would, God would either present me with somebody or 
I'd go fine without. Right. And my commitment was through Christ. My, my interest is in the relationship with him and with the type of interactions, like the joy that we have here laughing around. Right. That's the fulfillment and the intimacy that fulfills me the most. Right. So I'm saying this because there is a level of awareness that we have to awaken within ourselves, which mm-hmm. is truly the body of Christ as we move through. The deeper we get to relate to him, the more fulfilling it is. And right. men, and then as men, you have to break from these ridiculous, mindless, stupid jobs you do, endlessly trying to come do on, something. Come on, now here we've come. And now... Full circle. And where... <laughs> <laughs> and what you have to do is get into doing things that have purpose. Right. My father taught me trades. He was a remodeling contractor, an exceptional one. And I'm going to tell you, it shows in his life mm-hmm. because he creates with his hands. That's good. Okay. I have added things into my life intentionally, like building the garden, like having cattle, because I spent a lot of time on, online. And, and bees. I'm, and bees. And I'm extremely That's aware. That's where you get your honey. It is. But I'm That's extremely aware of the consequence of being exposed in a digital environment all the time. Yeah. And I, just to make the point, I mean, you get when you're running 18 shows a week, mm-hmm. There is a tendency to want to just like mindlessly turn on a movie or mindlessly doing something like yeah. this. And you have to discipline yourself to yes. say no. Yeah. Either sleep or do something with your hands, but break the commitment and the exposure to the digital because yeah. this is a form of communication mm-hmm. and it's a trade, it's a tactic, it's a gift that I'm given. God gives it to me and I pursue it with an utmost passion. But you have to find the expanded dimensions of this that take you out of just working in a digital sphere Mm -hmm. and you have to expand your gifts and talents. Once you add those additional purposes in your life, I believe, and I'm not going to speak to every man, but I truly believe that your relationship within Christ goes up higher. Now this has changed everything in my life. So I know, and this is what creates a whole new challenge for me. And you and I've talked about this today. Yeah, I know. Okay. We had a very candid conversation about this today. Let's go there. Kesterson. We did, which is the relationship of the sister. Yeah. And what it's like to have somebody in your life who is a now a sister. Right. Where we can be honest with one another and give you a hug. It's cool. And it's like family. Right. But there is no, it, that there's no interest beyond that. Right. And that now sets the question of what does a new relationship in a marriage sense, if that was to happen, and no, I'm not pitching, and no, don't send me proposals. We are taking applications that Leah and I will be screening for Scott Kesterson's (laughs) uh, future nuptials, which I tell him will take place one day, and Leah came in the kitchen today and she said... What did you say exactly, Leah? We One lucky Bards Nation viewer <laughs> may get to marry this man one day. We'll draw, we'll draw from a hat. I'm saying we could submit applications, okay? And then they will be screened by his kid sisters, Leah and Michelle, and, and maybe one lucky, beautiful you warrior just realize, princess. You, yep. Stop. I have unleashed it. I know I'm going to hear <laughs> about it after it. the show. You're going to get it. No, that's <laughs> good. So my point is it, it's, it's redefined things. And, and here's why I say this. In ex- <laughs> They're all laughing in chat, I by know. the way. Here's, I think it's very important, though, to get this because, and I'm telling you, man, I'm telling you this, and I'm seriously telling you this. There is an expectation in our world now that sex and marriage are synonymous. Like sex has to be part of the integral core of marriage. Come on. And, and I'm telling you something. And I'm talking from experience. You do that, you will fail. And it will be a long, it will be a different type of failure. I'm going to hear people go, well, I've been together 20 years. I'm like, good on you. Okay. But you're not of this world. 
And you better have the relationship with Christ in a deeper way to get it, which means that who you are married to mm-hmm. needs to be in a spiritual parity to yourself. And she should be more demanding of you than even you expect so she can help raise you up and you can raise her up. It is a marriage through Christ. Yeah. I say these words. I would not have said these 20 years ago. Right. I walked that fire mm-hmm. and I got the results. Now, mine's perhaps some can say, well, I haven't had those problems. Good on you. Okay, and I'm not judging anybody, but I am challenging people Mm -hmm. here to really say this. You need to find a way to step away from the pleasures of the flesh. That's exactly right. In the relationship. Mm -hmm. I don't care what you do on your own. I'm talking of a whole nother level here. Yeah. Because two become one Mm -hmm. and you're creating a third in this. That is the entity you create in the marriage. And I'm speaking hardcore truth here that I can speak to from failure. And that's where we learn. Mm -hmm. So in that, in that other one, if it is built, I don't care what your faith is. I'm serious what I'm saying. I don't care how pious you are in the God, in Lord, in the Lord. If you don't have that same discipline in your Mm -hmm. marriage to be able to find the glory and the love and the passion and the intimacy outside of sex, you've fallen victim to something that's darker and deeper than you realize. Right. And ultimately that is where the, I have witnessed so much in the relationship of people with long-term relationships that have succeeded well, mm-hmm. well beyond the years. Yeah. And where it really starts to show up is when you see people in their elder age mm. that is still have that deep, loving intimacy for one another that is not built on the physical. Exactly. Okay. And by the way, I'm not talking about hugs and I'm not talking about kisses. And I'm not no, talking, y'all know what we're talking about. Right, so we'll, that uh, itch. Yeah. So this Y'all is gotta scratch. this is what I'm getting at. Yeah. And it's it's such it creates such a different relationship. And as I look into the future and I say, okay, what does that look like for me? I have no idea. And I'll tell you honestly, I just turn to the Lord and go, you know, I don't. Let's roll. Okay. But that's my answer. And it's a long one and it's not no, it was one, good, thank you. And it's not one that I I mean, these shows right now are really interesting because Man, I'm I'm laying it out like I've never laid it out before, <laughs> and I'm okay. If we're with pushing it. you to do anything, if everybody's like, you're influencing Scott Kessler, well, we're influencing to pour out his whole soul and past to you. Is that a problem? Are you guys upset with that? Like yeah. y'all wanted to know anyway, inquiring minds. <laughs> y'all were thinking it. Y'all were asking each other. Does anybody know about Scott? Whatever. Well, now you do. Yeah. I have know. one more example I want to give, and then we'll say we'll say prayers. When I'm at the grocery store, I never know where Leah is. Maybe she, like, she, I'll be walking, like, and then I turn around, and like, where is she? She stopped to go get something. She stopped to talk to somebody. Maybe she's praying. I don't know. You never know where this one is. And when I'm looking for Leah, I don't stop at people that look like Leah. I don't stop at people that that look nice to me that are, oh, that, that, that lady's a pretty lady or that lady looks interesting and stop to talk to them. I am on a mission to find Leah. And I know Leah when I see Leah because I know Leah. And I want to speak now to some of the single people out in Bard's Nation right now, okay? The reason why Leah and Scott and I can go complete mission forward is because we know that I say in my case when, in, in Scott's case if, I find the person that I'm supposed to marry, it'll be like, oh, there you are. But I'm not going to get distracted or sidetracked like I would be like looking for Leah because I'm just going to know there you are. Okay. I- I'm going to go here because we're already down this rabbit hole. Here it comes. It's going to be good. Now it's my turn to be afraid. Oh, you should be. Oh, dear God. Okay. 
<laughs> I'm scooting over a little look, bit. <laughs> look, I, I just want to, this is what I'm talking about when we talk about leaving it all on the table. And we talk about trusting somebody and building trust and having building a, an intimacy at different levels. Remember, there's different types of intimacy. There's an intimacy of friendship. There's an intimacy of a sibling. And there's an intimacy of a marital partner. And those are different. And your parents. And your parents. Okay, so right. There you go. So sibling of family, family and siblings. And friends. And friends. I think that's about five. I think we've covered them all. All right, so th there's different types of intimacy. Right. Okay. So Michelle and I had just a very candid talk today because we want to be clear of boundaries on where we're going. It's really important. And it's super important because we have a, we just get along amazingly well, as I do with Leah. Okay. We just put it on the table today. And it was literally this. I have no interest in marriage. And she says, I have no interest in marriage. Right. And let's get that clear. And we're both equal. So right. it's like, cool, let's go forward. And just not even, but for me, and we talked about this, not just that I have no interest in marriage. You're not Leah. Right. Right. And, and I'm not I whoever. Not. Right. It's so funny. Earlier you had a beard and, and everyone was saying you were right. me. Like, and I know that. I know that when I find Leah in the grocery store, it's Leah. Right. Okay. And so this is really important for, for our single people out there. You literally, every time you go somewhere, you're always looking, 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 looking. Okay. Well, I don't really need to look for Leah in the grocery store for this example to be important because I know we're going to meet up at the car at some point. Right. I know. Uh, you know what I'm saying? Like you don't need to always be on the lookout. Trust in God. But you will, but you will trust in God. And when you know the, that person, you will know them. Why? Because they will be exhibiting Christ, same canvas, same brush, same painting, same artist. And it always comes back to that. And, I, and the reason why Scott went ahead and went there is because as, as Resistance Chicks Nation, and we've been getting these comments and we've been getting these questions, and it is very, very important as we move forward in this mission that God has linked Resistance Chicks up with Bard's Nation and for you guys to understand unequivocally, because the questions have been asked by some higher ups. Uh, by people that speak into Scott's life, by people that speak into our lives, what exactly is going on here? They want to make sure, and, and I want to make sure that you guys can go into this trusting us above all else, that this is literally about expanding the kingdom of God. And, and, I, and I can promise you in this, and I mean this to my dying grave. Like I said, I may fail you in other areas, but on this one, Scott and Leah and I, we are not going to let you down. No, and it's just this it. Because now here's the deal, and the reason I bring all this up, because this gets back to team development. Yeah. Okay. When you go into a fight, you have to be able to know that you trust the person on your left and your right. Exactly. You have to get rid of any sort of hesitation or doubt. Right. That means you've got to undo your emotional baggage. Because we're dealing with, with weapons that cause death or bring life. Beautifully said. And we are dealing with an enemy that wants death. Right. So... I, I'm, I'm, I'm wanting to make this clear because the conviction in which we have set forward here with absolute pure hearts for our, our, for our father in, an, in a relationship that was brought together by him, mm -hmm. this is about purity of heart and trueness to mission. Yeah. And we know that we can trust each other. And the only way you're going to get there is to have that honesty. Now, that said, it's so important what I'm about ready to say. If you are in a new relationship, if you are a single person getting into a relationship or seeking a relationship, mm -hmm. or if you're in a marriage, in order to go forward, you have to have that level of transparency and honesty in what you do. That's really good. Okay. So that means unburdening the hearts. And some of those topics are, talks are going to be tough. Right. Okay. Now, I'm going to close with this. At Bard's Fest, there was a young couple. 
beautiful young couple. They're about 20, 18 to 20, yeah. something like that. Young man and young girl. I saw him, yeah, I met him. And they asked me to baptize them. So Brad and I baptized them together in tandem. Right. This was so amazing. And I just, I honored this young man so much. They're engaged. Oh, wow. He comes up to me on Saturday night mm -hmm. and he's crying. And he says, I have some confessions to make. Okay. And he told me about some very difficult things he was put through by his brothers. Oh, no. And then he says, I'm, I've had a porn addiction. And here it goes. And before her, he's telling her this. His, his new bride-to-be. You haven't told me this story, by the way. Oh, this is okay. I'm hearing it for the first time. This was amazing. He says, in front of her, he says, I'm afraid I will have an addiction under her. Wow. Man, that, that young man and that couple are going to do well. Absolutely. We sat and talked. I hugged him. We prayed. And he left. He was completely unburdened. Mm -hmm. And we did, you know, I won't call it so much as deliverance because he gave the confession. It was more about just praying to release. Right. And it was beautiful. Yeah. If two young people at a beginning state mm -hmm. can have the wisdom right. to do this, I think we all have something to learn. That's really powerful. Okay. And it's something I just encourage everybody to approach your life with, with that much honesty. Yeah. I have had to work through my own issues of honesty. I'm transparent now and it is necessary. So even these shows, because I saw somebody write earlier, I, I can't, I've never heard Scott be this honest before because one, there hasn't been a need to. That's the first thing. Number two, because God's put it on my heart that we all better be. Yeah. And number three, he's put me in a stewardship position that I didn't expect, but I take seriously. And in order to lead, I have to demonstrate that I'm willing to do the same as you. Mm -hmm. And that's just the way it is. So I'm doing it in front of a world. And and we are too here, by the way. Right. We're, we're keeping pace with Scott Kesterson. You are, and you're, we're running fast. Tonight's been a wonderful keeping pace with you. It's it, this is we're doing it in front of a world and I'm not putting a, a this is not a pat on our back, but we believe so much in being this honest. We're willing to take our lives and throw it into the into the universe and our reputations and what you guys think of us. Like literally transparency is the best way to earn trust with people. Correct. And and this is be, far beyond the resistance chicks and Bard's Nation and what we're going to do together in the future and how we're going to maintain our own brands, but come together at times to do stuff. It's none of that. I like the way you said that. That's good. Yeah, it is. Good. I mean, that's what we've talked about, right. right? This is about the kingdom. And you have to understand what we're doing here. I cannot stand before God and have any secrets. Yeah. Wow. I cannot wow. live in this world with secrets. Come on. And if I'm not willing to unfold my life before the throne and share it before witnesses, mm. I am not living the walk of Christ. Whoa. I believe in the walk of Jesus. What? I believe. Leah? Oh. We're being serious right now. I believe in the walk of Jesus. Yeah. And if, if there's anything in all of this, we're walking. If there's a way to define what Bard's Nation quote unquote gospel is, it is the <laughs> gospel of Jesus Christ. It's really great. It's that simple. It is. There's nothing more complicated than that. Yeah. The burden is huge. Mm hmm. The responsibility is massive. You don't. You guys don't even know, by the way, what the responsibility that Leah and Scott and I and other people in our positions, and I don't mean a higher up position, I just mean this position of, that we've been given like that egg to carry. Yeah, because at the end of the day, we are in God's eyes, stewards. we are stewards and ministering and there's at that level, you are accountable at a higher level and I'm not boosting myself, don't mm -mm. take it that way. 
we make a mistake, we're accountable before the throne. That's simple. Yeah. So I take it seriously. I will not agree with everybody out here, even those of high biblical stature. We will have disagreements because I am impassioned with what God's put on my heart, and I will hold that line until God shows me otherwise. Right. But I'm going to be honest, and it's sometimes, and it's not like I haven't been before, but there's been a turn of tide and a pace of this war that has changed in the last 10 days. It's go time. It is go time. And we better all understand that. There's no time to waste. I got a word today that said the same thing, and a word from a very good prophetic that said the same thing directly written to me. Mm-hmm. Go, go, go. Yeah. As part of the word. Right. Now, we're going to leave you with this, and then we're going to pray. It is time to loosen all of the secrets in your life. Come on. It is time for you to expose them, to be honest with yourself, yeah. to clean up the closet, dust it out, Get rid of those things in the dark shadows. Mm-hmm. Bring those things before the throne. Confess them before the witnesses you need. And lift up your life and be ready to fight. That, by definition, is deliverance. And the outcome, by definition, is healing. That's good. Bars Nation, Ministry of Deliverance and Healing. And all of these shows this week have been delivering that to you here yeah. so that you can have Hopefully some examples that you can look to and hopefully in those dark moments or those questionable moments when you may wonder if you can, just remember, this has not been easy for any of us. Mm-hmm. But the choice to make that, to do that, is to show that we can overcome anything set before us and we can together, especially when we put our eyes and our faith in our Father God. That's good. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for this time that we've had to just kind of bear open to Bards Nation, to Resistance Chicks Nation, or anybody else that's that's tuning in the truth. And even when it's uncomfortable or it makes us feel like you guys may judge us or think differently of us, you're here. And so, Father God, I thank you that they are here to listen. And I honor them and I honor the fact that they are willing to sit and take these things to heart and to prayer. Guys, my mom always said, if we tell you something and it doesn't confirm in your spirit, that's okay. Just take it to God. So God, I just pray that these people will be able to take the things that they have heard here and take them to you. And if these are, if there are married couples, that they will have times of prayer and discussion and that the Holy Spirit will enter that discussion. And if you're single, if you're, if you have a porn addiction, that Father God, that you will step into that position in their lives and keep them whole and healed and sanctified and above all else. I pray that you impassion these people to run a race where they are looking directly at you and they will not turn to the right hand or to the left hand. And we seal up these words. We protect them. We understand that these are not words that should have to be unpacked very often, but on a special occasion at a time such as this, we have unpacked them. We have carefully laid all of our very uh, delicate, uh, tiny little treasures Uh, and vulnerabilities before you guys out on a blanket. And this is a very tender and humbling time, but we have done so because it is necessary. So Lord God, I just pray that that as other people are going to do this 
with their family or their friends that you protect them and you protect those treasures and you keep them safe. Because the last thing that we want is for anybody to come out of this hurt or damaged. So I pray that that as people go to sleep tonight, that they will have healing, they will have inner healing, that you will bring memories to the surface. And if you guys do need prayer for porn addictions and you're from Resistance Chicks Nation, I want you guys to send an email. You know how to get a hold of us. We have the Resistance Chicks Healing Ministry team that is standing by to walk you through that. And Scott is willing to walk you guys through that too. So Lord God, I just pray that the people will feel that nudge that says, I need help. I need another person to help me walk through this. It's too big of a burden. I am ready to be set free. So I thank you for all these things in Jesus name. Father God, we just have a blessed, we've had a blessed evening tonight and it's centered on one principal word, truth. That's good. So Father, we just are sitting here tonight really humbled before the throne and still the aura of what was left by Bards Nation, Bards Festival. And it has been so impactive on us that it's really been transforming hearts. Father, this week as we have moved through has provided us an ability to focus down onto the personal testimonies, the personal deliverance, and to bring those stories to the world. And in, without any sense of ego pride of any sort, we just hope that these stories and pray that these stories will empower others to have the strength to come forth and be truthful in their hearts. It is an important time right now, as you know, Father, that we step into this world with a pure heart, a loving and and a loving heart for what we have. And in so doing, Father, it is so critical now that as this forgiveness settles in upon us, that we approach this and understand that you are the deliverer of justice, not mm. us. Wow. In this time, that also means that the responsibilities to the family increase. It is our job as a family to work as a unit in the middle of a war. Mm. It is time now, Father, that we bless that the mother and the father are strong together and can understand that they are need to work as a team mm. to overcome the obstacles that the darkness will try to throw. Above all, Father, we have as a collective responsibility the, the need to protect and raise up the children. That includes the influences of their mind that are the weapons of the enemy that will seek to corrupt and destroy their innocence. So, Father, as a final blessing tonight and request we ask in, and declare upon this hour that people across this world will suddenly awaken to the importance of taking a firm responsibility to protect the children in the family and as a community as a whole at all costs. May that blessing echo across every corner of this earth and may it raise up your children in a mighty way to understand that our primary commission above all else is to protect the little ones. That's good. We thank you, Father, for all we have. We thank you for the love and the mercy you continue to give. And we lay ourselves before the throne, honestly, putting ourselves there, asking for forgiveness for the sins we have done. And with that, Father, we rise, stronger than we were, greater in the unity with you, and our eyes forward, ready to fight. Let us step into this war now with a pure heart a loving and forgiving heart to understand that the Lord, the sword of steel is not as important as the sword of love. Mm. And let us wield that sword of love in a mighty way to conquer the enemy and to unite your children into the one body, one tribe of Christ. Amen. In Christ Jesus' name. Amen. It was really good. Thank you. That was a great show. That was an awesome show. Thank you. Patriots, thank you. I hope you enjoyed. This was awesome. And it looks like, yeah, we've got 30 minutes before the next one. Well, we'll take a little break. <laughs> We'll take a break. We'll be back in about, we're going to play some music afterwards like we normally do. Then we'll be back at our time midnight right. for Fishers. 
so fun. It's going to be a blast. This is how it is. You know, in, in, in Oregon, you do it at nine. Right. And the rest of us are literally up at midnight listening to you. Yeah, I, I've had greater empathy for this. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad. I just wanted to know. And that's good. Patriots, keep your head up and your eyes forward. Never bow to evil. Never relent. Always press into the fight. God is with us. He'll never forsake us. And in the end, God always wins. But we are here in this time, in this place, for just such a time as this. We are at war. So walk boldly and fearlessly with Christ. Occupy the land. Expand the kingdom. Subdue the enemy. Mission forward. Patriots, we will be back very shortly for Fishers of Men. Until then or until the next time. Out for now. There you go. God bless, Patriots. See you in a bit. Leah Faith. We shall pay any price, bear any burden, meet any hardship, support any friend, oppose any foe to assure the survival and the success of liberty. Every thoughtful citizen who despairs of war and wishes to bring peace should begin by looking inward by examining his own attitude towards the possibilities of peace. Too many of us think it is impossible. Too many think it is unreal. But that is a dangerous, defeatist belief. It leads to the conclusion that war is inevitable, that mankind is doomed, that we are gripped by forces we cannot control. We need not accept that view. Our problems are man-made, therefore they can be solved by man, and man can be as big as he wants. No problem of human destiny is beyond human beings. Man's reason and spirit have often solved the seemingly unsolvable, and we believe they can do it again. Surely the opening vistas of space promise high costs, and hardships, as well as high reward. So it is not surprising that some would have us stay where we are a little longer, to rest, to wait. But this city of Houston, this state of Texas, this country of the United States was not built by those who waited and rested and wished to look behind them. This country was conquered by those who moved forward and so will space. We choose to go to the moon in this decade and do the other thing, not because they are easy, but because they are hard. Because that challenge is one that we're willing to accept. The energy, the faith, the devotion, which we bring to this endeavor, will light our country and all who serve it. And so, my fellow Americans, ask not what your country can do for you, ask what you can do for your country.
that has waited thousands of years to show its face. It has only one intent, to destroy God's light and to enslave. It has no scruples, it has no rules but one, to win at any cost. But we will never bow, for we are the remnant that will hold the line. This is war. We fight. We push. We climb. We never give in. We become the nightmare that evil didn't know could exist. We pray. We stand. We live by the words, in God we trust. We fear nothing. We are the light that can never be extinguished. We are patriots. We are the digital army that will help deliver God's wrath.